0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I present, for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure, Ronin Fest on Raw Dog, Dog. Serious XM Comedy Hits, Channel 99.
1: It's the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Coming up in about an hour, uh, we're going to do a mass day. Live audience will be here, and we'll be talking to Mr. B.J. Novak. Uh, You know him from The Office, but uh, he's just written a book of short stories, stories and other stories, called... One more thing. B.J. Novak is a writer. And this is hardcover. He's written a hardcover book. So that's going to be a lot of fun and exciting. Um, If you ever want to come in and see us doing mass, the next one we do is going to be February 11th with Henry Winkler. The Fonz is going to be here. Talking happy days and more. Head on over to the iBank Bank for that. Unmasked with uh, Henry Winkler. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, you can win something that we're keeping in a box for you. So give us a call now at eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez. Because coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're gonna play what's in the box.
2: There's something in the box. What's in the box? The item in the box is signed.
3: You lied!
2: It's signed by a celebrity. You're a
3: fucking liar!
2: Can you guess?
3: Shut up! What's in the box?
1: Oh. That's new, isn't it, Chris? That is brand new.
4: Wow. Brand spanking new. I'm very, very impressed kind of scary. really want to know what's in this box. Well,
1: something is in that box. I don't think it's Gwenny's little head, but um, it could be. Call in and win now as we play What's in the Box. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Your chance to win. Something signed, a collectible signed by us. Uh, we give and we give and we give. And that makes me think of this. Love. That's probably why we do it. Fez, I'm going to pull you into this and say that the that the magic reason is love.
5: You know what? I've never, well, I've loved, but I've never had love returned. So I would imagine, yes, this You've, must be what people feel. So you don't uh,
1: think that the audience has returned... The love that you give to them.
5: Oh, no, I meant romantic love.
1: I thought you were paying attention to the conversation that we were having about the show that we're doing called What's in the Box. Um, Let's play it, and uh, we will give out something because we love.
2: There's something in the box. What's in the box? The item in the box is signed.
3: You
1: lie! It's signed by a celebrity.
2: You're
3: a fucking liar!
1: Can you guess?
3: Shut up! What's What's in the box?
1: That's right, dear listeners. Look up, Shelby. You're getting a cue from Fez. There you go. And you're part of what, a radio what? Radio show. There you go. Um, Fez has never got romantic love, nor the attention of his other producers... And that's all he's ever wanted. Uh, no names are up on this, so I'll just go to them one at a time. Hi, who's this?
6: David.
1: What's your name? David. David. And what show would you like to play? What's in the Box? What's in the Box? What are you looking at, Chris?
4: Phone screener, software.
1: Boy, we are set. We are set to do a live unmask today. Uh, yeah, you're going to play What's in the Box. You know it's signed. You know it's a previous guest on the show. And I will tell you this much as clue number one. It's a book. What's in the box?
6: Uh, Mitch Heidenberg?
1: Mitch Heidenberg? Let's see if it's Mitch Heidenberg. Oh, Sorry! sorry, I'm stunned. I thought Mitch Heidenberg was in that box. I really did. I thought it was Mitch Heidenberg.
5: Well, now you know what it's not, if it's going to help people play. Well,
1: we know one thing that it's not. I mean, that doesn't tell us everything. It just tells us it's not Mitch Heidenberg. Uh, Let's go back to playing America's Favorite Game Show. And it does look like we're having phone problems in the other room. So I'm going to take this uh, more or less unscreened. Sir, what is your name? Mick. Mick? Mick, what game do you want to play? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Who's in the box? Mick, I will tell you this much. It is a book... Signed by a comedian. Okay.
6: Is it Bossy Pants Tina Fey?
1: Bossy Pants Tina Fey. That's a great one. Uh, is it Tina Fey's book Bossy Pants? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, we know now it's not Bossy Pants or Mitch Heidenberg, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Continually to do these unscreened. screen. Uh, hi, who's this?
6: This is Bill from New Hampshire.
1: Bill from New Hampshire. What game do you want to play?
4: What's in the box? What's in
5: the box? What's
4: in the box? Oh,
1: what's in the box? Shelby, how come you won't do a what's in the box with us? I drop right after. No, yeah. all right. not necessarily. <clears throat> You're going to be ready next time? Yeah. Yeah, all right. You know look, to Fez, right? When yeah. the show's on, that way you can see him? Back. Right. He's never been loved back. He's given love, but he's never been loved back. You tell the person you loved him, Fez? No,
5: I never told any of them that I love
1: them. That might be why. That might be why. Were they real? Um, Bill? Yes? It's a book uh, by a comedian, and it's all essays.
6: A book by a comedian, and it's all essays. I am going to have to say that I don't know the title, and it's a Jeff Garland book. Jeff Garland's
1: book... But you don't know the title. Let's see if that's it. It's not Jeff Garland and his untitled works. Guess what? Our uh, software is working, and we're going to find out exactly who people are. Because these are screen calls, goddammit. Here's Missy in Atlanta. Hi, Missy.
5: Hi, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box?
1: What's in the
7: box? What's in the box?
1: Don't do it anymore, Shelby. Your thing just sounded too much like you yelling at it. I want somebody directly (laughs) in character, you know? Just try it one more time.
5: What's in the box?
1: No, that doesn't sound that way. It sounds like like you're doing a read, but you're not in character completely. That's what we're looking for. I mean, you gotta, if you need something to go, you want pain to go on that you can adapt to? Sure. Fez is loved, but he's never been loved. You know, that's what I use. You know what I mean? What that must be, the kind of pain. And then when I give them what's in the box, it's just blood curdling. Uh, Missy. Yes. You know it's a book by a comedian. Essays. Here's clue number four. Zombie. Oh, boy. Jim uh,
5: Jim Norton.
1: <laughs> Jim Norton. And what book? Of his
5: book I don't know the name of his book, I just
1: uh, The unnamed Jim Norton book. Zombie was a dead giveaway for that, I guess. Fez, is that correct? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'd read Jimmy's zombie book. Fez did an impression of me for Jim yesterday, and I had to ask him who he was doing. what it sound like? Go ahead, Fez. Go ahead and do it.
5: I don't remember what it was.
1: Oh, too bad. Too bad, because it was a lot of fun. But you jumped right in. You went in both feet. Never say no. Uh, Adam in North Carolina, what game do you want to play? What's in
5: the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the fucking
1: box? Wow, that was good that time. You fucking nailed what it. What what we do. Um, you want the clues, uh, Adam?
6: I don't need the clues. It's Jimmy Norton, Happy Endings.
1: Jimmy Norton, Happy Endings. And he got that from book, comedians, essay, and zombie. Give him the big happy sound, Oh! Sorry, you should have taken the next clue. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ By the way, was there anything in Happy Endings? I read it about zombies
5: and I don't recall I don't think there was a chapter uh, with anything about zombies See, it's think that has
1: me thrown off As soon as we know, let's jump into it Let's get it Let's get a definitive answer Hey, by the way, Chris Great job on fixing the software It's all working out Yeah, you're like my Scotty now You know what I mean? Like, I'm up on the bridge, and you're Scotty telling me when you don't have enough power.
4: Well, Scotch, too. Yeah.
1: And you're definitive. Damn straight. Folks, when I offer you all the clues, please take them. Kevin in Indiana, what game do you want to play? What's in the box? Oh, that was pretty lame. I'm not even going to let you play, Kevin. I'm going to give you one more chance. What's in the box? That's on the bubble. I'm going to let you go in. but That was almost a Shelby thing. Do uh, you need your clues, Kevin?
2: No, I got it. I got it. I'll figure it out.
1: All right, go ahead. It's
2: Patton Oswalt's book.
1: And the name of the book?
2: Oh, man. Don't make don't make me name of the book. I just know who,
1: who, who the comedian was. Oh! Chris, is there any way we can send him a half a book since he was half correct? Hell no. Okay. Maybe there's a diary he can fill out himself. I mean, just... Just chop a book in half and send it to him. That ruins it for everyone. You know, this BJ uh, Novak has written a book. I'm going to be talking to him in about 45 minutes. And this one, hardcover.
4: Nice.
1: Just like a school book. Hardcover. You don't want to be one of those guys writing paperback books. Never. Although I've always wanted to be a paperback writer. Based on the Beatles song. Right. Maybe we can get together and harmonize later. I love that. Yeah, me too. Now that you're off the what's on my box screaming team. Um, Sharon in Texas, what game do you want to play?
5: What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? I saw you with the box. Who's in the box?
1: I like the way Fez does it because I think he goes back to that place where he's loved and never gotten loved back. (laughs) Sharon, you want your clues? Um. Is it uh, Jim Norton? Is it Jim Norton? This is the third time people just thought that they could give the name Jim Norton and win <laughs> and not take the clues. Let's see if it finally works, Fez. Too bad. I've heard, uh, you know, three times a charm. So I thought it was finally actually going to be Jim Norton. Too bad. Too bad. Sean, in Pittsburgh, what game do you want to play? What's in the box?
4: What's in the box? What's in the box? Uh, what's in the box?
2: Uh, would you like your clues? You know, I think I know, but go ahead and give them to me if you don't mind.
1: Book, comedian, essays, zombie, and the next clue is spaceship.
6: Uh, Jim, no, I'm just kidding. Patton Oswalt, zombies, spaceship, apocalypse, wasteland? Oh, Chris, is that? Hold
1: on, is that? Could we accept that he had an extra word in
4: it? Extra word means extra wrong. Oh,
6: come
4: on! I'm sorry. Mm. Is that what's in the
1: box? P- <laughs> you just can't go throwing in another word,
4: bullshit. It's and this is, is the please.
1: definitive phrase here, right? Yes. Too bad. I've never seen so many people stink so bad at playing "What's in the Box." Maybe it should be a woman's head. Um, Jason, Panic in Detroit. How you doing, my friend?
6: Oh, Ron says, Pap, I love you guys so much. I'm a huge fat and fan, And I love Zombie Spaceship Wasteland because I want to play. He's got it all. He's got it all.
1: I don't know whether we ever do caller of the day, but it definitely should be Jason from Panic in Detroit. It's the Motor City, you know.
4: He made them all proud today.
1: Made America proud, just like Bob Dylan, when Bob Dylan was talking about Detroit. This is a fun show with everybody's just jumping in like this together. It's a fun crew. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, We'll be on Mass with B.J. Novak. We've got a prize to give out from yesterday. What was that prize, Fez?
5: That prize, uh, yesterday. Do you know
7: it, uh, Shelby? The prize yesterday was Pat Summerall's book.
1: Pat Summerall signed, and let's face it, you're not going to run into another Pat Summerall. He's passed away. We did better headlines yesterday. Give me the winner's name. The winner of the Pat Summerall book, Johnny West.
7: Johnny, Johnny West. West.
1: That was a weird sound, huh? It's a big winner. Yeah, I don't know if I consider it the big winner sound. Johnny West. Congratulations, uh, Johnny West. We need to get those uh, prizes down on like a sheet so everybody knows where we're going with this. Um, coming up next week is uh, Henry Winkler, unmasked. The Fonz, I believe to be uh, probably the biggest star of uh, my lifetime. I don't think you get any uh, bigger than that. Um up on the iBank today, one of the websites ran this, and it's um, it's one of those things that I don't think first world people ever get tired of talking about. And it's cake versus pie. I've been in this discussion many, many times. You got pie people, you got cake people. Now, yeah, if you, I think if you talk to most people, they're going to say, yeah, I like cake. And I like pie. But like children, you need to pick which one you prefer. And that will tell you anything about the person, in my opinion. Chris Stanley, are you a cake guy or a pie guy?
4: Cake all day, every day. Soft, delicious cake. Of course he is. What's that supposed to mean? You say, of course he is,
7: as
1: if that was a racial put-down.
7: Well, cake. I mean, it's uh, for the lower, lower stock. I'd say
1: you got to go with pie every time. Well, I don't think you go with anything every time. But why would you say lower class people are cake eaters? It's
7: just it's cheap. It's uh, they just have like the same really varieties. But pie, even though it could be like a cheap pie, it's still great every time. It with like so many different ingredients. (laughs) You have your uh, fruit flavors. You're like chocolate. You can even go a mincemeat, if you will, if you're so inclined. Cheap
4: pie is really bad, all right? So don't try to push the cheap pie angle. It's better
1: than cheap cake. Give me a yo you What would you say a cheap cake was? I'd
7: say like a 12, 12 bucks maybe, but like a six ninety nine pie is better
1: than a $12 cake. A cheap pie better you than cheap cake. Do you buy supermarket pies? Yes, I do. That's the fucking lowest. I mean, let's face it a cake person or a pie person neither one wants to leave with a fucking supermarket pie and if you show up to someone's house with a, by the way big mustache hitler looks out of his fucking mind today <laughs> the hair is down in his fucking face why are you why are you combing it out of the way as if that's such a bad thing you look like big mustache hitler all right you show up at someone's house with a supermarket fucking pie. And to me, it's like showing up at their house with an STD. There's nothing fucking worse. I mean, we could sit and debate this like gentlemen. But if you're saying you buy supermarket pie, you should be off of this to begin with. Alright, 866 Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zero Fez. Patrick, you're on the Ron of Fez show. What's
8: going on, guys? Um, I I like pie. uh, And the reason is There's a
2: website that uh, you guys interviewed, Michael Stern, a few years ago from RoadFood.com.
1: We did, and he's one of my favorite people in the world.
2: Yeah, and I'm driving cross-country right now, and it's like every city you go to has their character in the pie that they're known for. And cake, you can make cake anywhere, but a pie, that's, that's... Truly local and truly unique to
1: that area. Now, see what you're saying makes total sense to me. If someone says, "Hey, if you're close to an uh, apple orchard and you want to, you know, you want to get those fresh apples and have that pie," you're making a great fucking point. Or blueberries, or whatever you happen to be. Or but when rub- you're like I fucking, rub- yeah, when you're like this Shelby talking about a six dollars supermarket pie. And putting down somebody like Chris Stanley. Unbelievable! I, I I don't even know if if we can have a debate. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, here's David in Washington. You're on the run of Fez D. show.
8: Brian B. Check out. So I, I do a lot of barbecuing. I do my own. Uh, barbecue, I make my own pecan pie Because up here in Washington They think it's just a fucking like Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas thing So I had to learn how to make my own pie Which is now uh, pretty fucking good And you're right on the money As far as people bringing supermarket shit over I, I host a lot of uh, like uh, UFC events and stuff And do barbecues And I stopped having people bring stuff over Because basically, Ronnie, white people can't be trusted They will bring fucking... Uh, three $6 pies to my house, and it's fucking garbage.
1: Look, uh, there was a guy that used to come to my house who would bring a box ice cream cake that was fucking... Uh, what do you call it, flavors in it? like It was just like the, the flavoring came from some kind of chemical that, that they squirted in. And finally I had to say to him, you're not coming over for these events. I'm not sitting there buying a $60 fucking pay-per-view while you come in with an $8 fucking ice cream cake. What kind of
4: ungrateful freak would do that? It, it was me. Oh.
1: Uh, <laughs> and that that frustrated me to no end. Now, um by the way, somebody just wrote in, where is this what is this website Michael Stern is talking about? It's called roadfood.com. If you like the kind of stuff that we put up on the iBang, uh with the Jersey Food, roadfood.com does that all over the country. I've used I use that all the time when I'm in the uh New England area and I find all kinds of fantastic stuff. All right, here's another thing I want to say about you pie people. The problem with pie is the best that you can eat fruit is fresh. So a bowl of fruit that is fresh is better than any cooked fruit. That's the problem with pie. You're making fruit worse than
5: it is naturally. I think you're bringing out the flavors in it.
1: You're absolutely not. You sound like a man who's never eaten fresh fruit in his life. If you're in the Caribbean and you eat a pineapple, it is A, a million times better than anything that you can get in the supermarket, and B, better than you can do cooking it in any possible way. So that's the biggest problem. Now... I know what you're going to say to me. What about jams and jellies? Good point. But you want a little bit of jam or a little bit of jelly on your toast. You don't want to eat big mouthfuls of jam and jelly, which is what you're fucking getting with most pies. It's like you're eating a fucking giant <laughs> jar of jelly with some crust around it. Um, here's Patrick. Patrick in New Jersey, you're on the Run of Fez show.
8: Hi, uh, first-time listener, first-time caller, long-time listener. Um, I like cake and pie equally, personally, but I'm not sure where Shelby's coming from saying that cake is for lower-class people, because as far as I know, there's no high-end pie market out there, whereas there's a huge boom for,
2: like, wedding cakes. All that stuff. Like, people pay a lot of money for cake. Exactly. Most of
1: the time, if you go to a really nice fucking restaurant, you're more likely to find pastry over, like, a slice of pie. Now, I'm saying that to a person that I know, for you, Acme is about as big as you've fucking ever eaten in your life. Um but you you threw off your argument with six dollar pies but you 'd pay like two hundred dollars
7: for that expensive cake, but is it really that much better than a pie you 're like spending that much money, so
1: what you 're saying is not that much better. cake is not that much better than a pie. I think you 're making a great uh case for the cake eaters, and I think you 'd make the world 's worst lawyer oh, but how much your honor he 's guilty, yeah, but not. guilty or as guilty as some people. Is this a mistrial? Phil, Phil, in Boston, you're on the Run a Fed show. Tort reform. Ron, Ron, I want to come at this from a whole different angle, okay? Please do. In in life, we've seen people's faces being pushed into pies and cakes. Now, any animal clown can push your face into a pie, but
2: at a nice, classy wedding, we're going to see a little cake pushed in a face. I'd like to take that into consideration
0: here.
1: Um I think that you're taking us off from where we need to be. Here's Anthony in Canada. Please get us back on track Anthony. Uh,
3: are we considering cheesecakes in
1: this? Yeah, we can put cheesecake into the mix. And
3: I would go cake all the way.
1: Okay. Yeah, a cheesecake is a cake. See, here's the thing I'm saying about cake. Fruit is better fresh. But you don't want to just sit there and eat wheat you have to fucking work on it i.e make it into a cake. It goes to show where the excitement level is cake is. Cake does not exist in nature, and if you look at pie, you could most of the time say, "Who ruined the fucking blueberries?" now blueberries, as you know are not a are not a standalone and not a standalone fruit. You need Kiwi <laughs> or something. Come back. Um here's Melvin in Virginia. Melvin, you're on the Run of show.
6: Hi, how y'all doing? Yeah. I I, I agree with uh, both colors on a respect, but I, I... I like the one caller. I hold a lot of events. I pay the big. I pay big money for the pay per views, and I barbecue and everything. Good. I like both. I like both cake and pie. But I was raised by my grandma. If it ain't homemade, it's bullshit.
1: I gotta agree with you there. If you, you know? I mean you can. Fez came to my house the other day, and he had Beard Papa's cream puffs, uh, which probably fall closer into cake than they do into pie, and he was uh, a big hit for it. Although the next day, everybody woke up realizing they ate too many cream puffs after a long, large night of eating. But he's out of his, let me go get the cheapest, easiest thing that I can get. He's moved on. He's a human being now. Um, you can't show up like Shelby thinking at a fucking $6 cake. I found that at the bodega. I'm you not guys saying like that it? I'd bring a $6 pie every you time. Just you you do. I'm saying that you fucking do. And let me just cheap... say this. I want to open up a pie shop. Called who ruined the blueberries? I just put it out there. eight um, six six, Ron, zero Fez. eight six six, Ron, zero Fez. Cake versus pie. It's up on the eye bang right now. I believe Pi is reading, uh, leading us. By the way, uh, Liz sets fire. Very disappointed that Chris Stanley no- doesn't jump over, jump into the uh, who's in the box anymore. You're too busy working
4: on production. I'm working those phones, working that prod. That's what I call it. But I always like to throw out, what's in the box? She's, I know, because you would always do, what's in the fucking box? What's real fast. fucking box?
1: Real fast. Um, actually even leaving the movie that we were in <laughs> and going into Silence of the
8: Lambs. Here I'm
1: like, Is she a great big fat person? And we'd have to say, come on, dude. I'd fuck me. They punch the lotion on its skin. I thought that he was making fun of people like that, but then he talks like that in every movie.
4: He's the best ever.
1: I don't know. I mean, when you see <laughs> him play a senator, we're going to pass this bill. You're like, I don't know whether you should be an, a, uh, an actor. Um, let's go over to Joe. Joe in Texas. How you doing, buddy? Hey,
6: it's Joe
2: from Texas. Yeah. And I disagree. I believe that Um,
6: cheesecake is a pie, but I'm a cake eater.
1: First of all, there's a reason it's not called cheese pie. It's fucking (laughs) cheesecake. I mean, we can argue back and forth. First of all, if someone says to you, do you want some cake or pie? The answer is yes, please. Meaning, give me a little slice of both. I like to fucking enjoy myself. Don't make me fucking choose. This isn't an election. Give me a... Half slice of both if you if you're so worried about running out. But this guy calls muffins cupcakes too.
7: He what actually, world is he living he in? He
1: calls muffins muff pies. <laughs> I mean he lives in a fucking insane world. This is like seriously, this is like talking to the kind of person who fucking drowns puppies. <laughs> Coke Logic will know how to get into this. Coke Logic, what do you got, buddy?
6: Hey, I wanna know, uh is this based off of taste alone? Or are we looking at like what it looks like the presentation because you can decorate the shit out of a cake?
1: It's a very good point. You do a lot of things with a cake. a pie and a pie is best served as simply as possible. That's why normally a homemade pie is the best pie you can get by far. Um, but you're very, very correct that you don't show up at an elegant occasion and have people come by and and admire your beautiful pie because it's a simple home food. That's what I like about pie, how simple and just, it
7: puts itself out there naked for the world to see. It doesn't need to be dressed up with plastic surgery like a
1: cake does. You eat a $6 pie, I'm going to say at most six ninety-nine.
4: Garbage pies. what What,
1: Marie Callender? It's coming down to about 45 cents a slice. Nothing you could possibly say could dig you out of that hole. They're the supermarket people. They're the
7: experts. They know what they're doing. They do it every day. So they make their bread and butter. And they use bread and butter.
1: Yeah, I, don't get, I, mean, I don't get my bread and butter from the supermarket either. Fucking go places and get it to taste well. I can't make that so many stops here. <laughs> yeah, well, you live in fucking New York now. It's not a lot of stops, and you can eat well instead of eating like, and I hate to fucking say this, but I'm going to say it to you, like someone who grew up in St. Louis, all right? Like some fucking slack jawed St. Louis. Uh oh, the Rams are leaving. Doesn't matter. We like talking about the Cardinals all the time anyway. We're the best. I hope <laughs> you don't mean the football Cardinals because they fucking left you too and went to Phoenix where a Cardinal will die from the heat. I got to go in the break here. I don't have a lot of time for this. I'm going to take one more. Here's Robin Philly. Robin Philly, kick or pie?
2: Hey, what's going on? I just want to say the cake is a lie, and Shelby needs to take his fucking white trash $6 pies and keep them in the trailer park barbecues where they belong.
1: You know what? Not only am I going to make you the last call on this, I'm sending you into the big-ass prize closet because you have summed this up perfectly. (laughs) You can like cake, you can like pie, but you definitely have to hate Shelby. It's been the case my whole life. Uh, Chris, I'm trying to fucking do this. Where are my interns?
4: Uh, they're helping to set up for the live on masks that's about to go down in a half hour. And then who screens my phone calls? Um, no one.
1: Then you're a fuck up, <laughs> and you run a fucked up ship, and I'm going to spend the next half hour doing unscreened phone calls. Oh, Jesus. And I hope they turn this place into a goddamn shit box. I really do. I hope they fucking, I hope they're so awful and disgusting and weird. And then I'm going to pin that on
4: you. Well, hopefully the B.J. Novak amassed.
1: Yeah, I understand, but I still need more people. I need screening phone calls, and I need interns to go down there. You didn't leave my little Dominican intern by yourself, right?
4: No, I'm going down with her, going down there with her. Right oh. No, walking down to the fishbowl with Norris. I did see her talking to uh, Who Kid. I had to drag her away from him. Good idea. I was like, Who Kid, do, this isn't for you. This isn't for you
1: um, oddly, that's exactly what it's for <laughs> if you think about it I mean in nature you know if we are doing a nature film alright we fucked up unscreened phone calls coming up
9: thank you for calling the Ron and Fez show no one is currently available to screen your call please hold and Ron and Fez will be right with you please stand by for your unscreened calls
1: we're we'll right back, Run and Fez. And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Run
2: and Fez on Raw Dogs, Serious XM, Comedy, <laughs> Hits, Channel 99. Oh. The Run and Fez Show, the best callers in radio. <laughs>
1: 666-RON-ZERO-FEZ. And by the way, that will be an unscreened call today. Yes, it's unscreened phone day on the Ron and Fez Show. Ron and Fez Show, unscreened calls.
6: Hey, is there a way
8: you guys can play some George
1: Carlin? Ron and Fez Show, unscreened calls.
8: Buy Bitcoin.
1: Ron and Fez Show, unscreened calls.
2: I'm on, I'm on, I'm on!
1: Ron and Fez show, on-screen calls.
8: My dad used to spread his ass cheeks and ask me if his asshole moved was he farted.
1: On-screen phone calls, Ron and Fez.
8: Ron and Fez show, what's your name, where are you from? Ron and
1: Fez show, on-screen phone calls.
2: I told you three times already, the law's on
6: my side. I play cards with J.D. Sheldon, the chief of police. You kiss my ass, you son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> on-screen phone call, Ron and Fez.
6: On-screen calls, more like unclean balls. I'll hang up and listen.
1: Very difficult to do this. On screen, a phone call, Ron and Fez.
6: One time for Christmas, my friend got me a frayed pack of matches, so I gave him a three year long awkward silence.
5: (laughs) (laughs) We really do need a screener. It's literally our lives
1: (laughs) summed up so easy. I haven't made eye contact with him since.
2: Ron
1: and Fez on Raw, Dog, Serious accident. Comedy, Hits, Channel 99. Oh, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez Show. Taking your on-screen phone calls because Chris Stanley can't keep his interns in the studio. Coming up in a little bit, it's going to be... Uh, Unmasked with BJ Novak. He's written a book called One More Thing and it's hardcover. Hi, uh, Ron and Fez. Unscreen phone calls. Yeah, so I walked in I see my wife
6: and she's got this huge dick in her hand. I thought it was nice and all, but uh, it wasn't right.
1: Unscreen phone calls. Pepper Hicks is my spirit animal. Unscreen phone calls.
6: Hoo hoo Robin, Papa Booy, Papa
1: Booy. On screen phone calls. On screen phone
6: calls. Yeah, uh got a little poem for you. Some folks say that Fez is gay. Everybody knows Chris fucking blows. Fuck you, Centaur.
1: On screen phone calls. Uh yeah,
2: Ronnie B, uh uh Blue Apron baby, uh pan roasted hake,
6: my favorite so far.
1: On-screen phone calls. Ah ha ha! Pepper belly. On-screen phone calls. I oh, was On-screen phone calls. What's in the box? On-screen phone calls.
6: Hey Ronnie, Uh you need to get rid of PlugBot three thousand over there.
1: On-screen phone
6: calls. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha.
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: Hey, uh Heine, suck a dick.
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: Yeah, man, I'll give $46 to let Chris Stanley stick my dick in fans' as I
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: Uh, my ice tea tastes like pussy juice.
1: On-screen phone calls. <laughs> On-screen phone calls.
6: Wait, what? What did you say you're about a size 14?
1: On screen phone calls.
6: And then once he spit on it, it went right in. Oh, daddy!
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Never before have I seen a producer put the whole show on his back like Pepper Hicks. Shelby, hold my dick!
1: On screen phone calls. On screen phone calls. One more thing, that's from Colombo. On screen phone calls. Jenny Hart is a cunt! On screen phone calls. On-screen phone calls. Rusty, I made it on the air. Rusty, bring back Dave. On-screen phone calls.
3: <laughs> I was pushed over the wall. I saw the way I wanted it.
1: On-screen phone calls.
2: I love buttering my ass up with being gay. It burns so good.
1: On-screen phone calls. East Side good Wolf. On-screen phone calls. Come on, see the goddamn words. You're gonna be okay. Come on, see it. See the goddamn words. On-screen phone calls. Did I hear Pepper
2: Hicks has a cum belly? On-screen phone calls. Yeah, uh, Shelby, I want to take your
3: little penis and put it in my mouth and suck on your little balls. I want to fucking put my little
2: pinky up your butthole and lick it until the
6: peach fuzz comes out, baby. Yeah.
1: on oh. phone calls.
6: Yeah, hey, uh, Fes, force blocker isn't contributing.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Yeah, I've got a
2: lamp I'd like to sell for $20 and a broken rotor tiller for 45
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Well, there be cake or pie says
2: he's going away party in April?
1: On screen phone calls. Why,
2: why, 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 what's
1: the On screen phone calls.
6: A creep
1: loop. On screen phone calls.
6: That's Wiley, the standalone fruit.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: AllianceDJService.com.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Davy Magua, Woo!
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Ron Minuton for president.
1: On <laughs> screen phone calls.
6: I'm a fucking idiot! I'm a fucking idiot! <laughs> Heather, I hope your baby dies of AIDS.
1: On screen phone calls. On screen phone calls.
3: On
1: screen phone calls. Buy more Bitcoin. On screen phone calls.
6: Can you quack? Can you quack like a duck when you suck? Can you buck like a horse when we fuck? Can you stick your whole tongue up my butt? Can you quack? Can you quack like a duck when you suck?
1: On screen phone calls. N-E-W-P-H-O-T. On screen phone calls.
6: home
1: calls. On screen phone calls.
6: Yeah, can I put the order for delivery?
1: On screen phone calls. On screen phone calls.
6: That motherfucker tweets a take like nobody's business.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Yeah, this is Faz's old bus driver, bus for my tool. Where's that fat bag been?
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Yes, yeah, did I hear the pepper hitch of the cum belly?
1: On screen phone calls.
6: I'm Rob Ford, and I ate Gail Pussy's pussy.
1: On <laughs> screen phone calls.
6: No, officer, all is well. I don't get high off the cocaine, I just like the smell.
1: Unscreened phone calls.
6: I'm gonna fuck birds in the ass.
1: Unscreened phone calls.
6: Go float in my cup, nigga.
1: Unscreened phone calls.
6: When the monkey house walks, he walks a fat ass.
1: Unscreened phone calls.
6: Damn it, Ronnie! Why don't you pick up the damn phone? These are unscreen and terrible,
2: huh? phone calls. Let's be friends. Something wonderful is going to happen.
1: on phone calls. on phone calls. On-screen
6: phone calls. God, I miss Billy, Billy the phone freak.
1: on phone calls.
6: Ellie, follow you, my motherfucking nigga. Rest in peace Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: Bring back sweet Melissa. On-screen phone calls. Never trust pizza from a man named Papa.
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: Uh, Hello, this is Gordon Ramsay. I just want to say the Ron and Fez show is the most entertaining, funny, enthralling, entrancing, engaging, delicious, sumptuous, toy-splitting, witty, absorbing, you can hang up any time, Ron, charming, diverting, engrossing.
9: Thank you for calling the Ron and Fez show. No one is currently available to screen your call. Please hold, and Ron and Fez will be right with you. Please stand by for your un-
1: on calls. phone calls. Listen,
6: Shelby, you piating fuck. I'm going to
1: come out of your left. on Unscreen phone calls.
6: Yeah, no, got
1: this on screen phone calls. I saw you. And mm-hmm. Walking in
3: rain. You were holding hands and I'll never be saved.
1: Always ready for some orange juice, Jones. On phone calls. Slow mo! phone calls. Yes, this
3: is Peyton Manning and
6: Nick. How's everything in the Super Bowl going?
1: On phone calls.
6: Uh, Hicks, I love you and Precious.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Fez Wally. subscribes to a, a service called Pink Apron. Last night he made a cum sandwich.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Bring back the movie sound bits.
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: Trevor Hicks, where the best
2: of really means best of the last two weeks. Fuck you, centaur.
1: on phone calls.
6: It's a little old White House on the corner of Vine Street and some other street. There's a truck out front that says no Hargraves construction on it. I'll be sitting here waiting on you. hmm
1: On-screen phone calls. <laughs> Unscreen phone calls. I love sitting in a sock and slapping it all over my naked body. Unscreen <laughs> phone calls.
6: Bring back Eastside Dave. Shelby and Hicks suck.
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: Can I get a whoop?
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: Eastside Dave rules.
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: <laughs> I like the way phone calls. Oh, I wanna give Castro a whim
3: job.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: I just shit my pants.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: W-N-E-W-E code.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: I'm sorry, that's all I had.
1: On phone calls.
6: It's not a sub, it's a goddamn hoagie.
1: On screen phone calls.
2: I eat my own poo.
1: On-screen phone calls. Hey, Chris. On-screen phone calls.
6: Good afternoon, and thank you for calling the Ron and Fez show, starring Ron, Fez, and Pecker Hips Stanley.
1: On-screen phone calls.
6: The Daniel Fucker Radio.
1: On-screen phone calls. Uh. On-screen phone calls On-screen phone calls Baba Booey On-screen phone calls
2: Yeah, does your large plain pie have pepperoni on
1: it? On-screen phone calls
6: Roses are red, violets are
1: blue. Pepper said it's not good,
6: but I know someone is blue. On screen phone calls. Hey, guys, I just love all you guys. You guys do a great radio show. I love Shelby, I love Fez, and I love Pepper, but I love you most, Ron. Thank you.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Learn that poem. Learn that poem. On screen phone calls.
1: Call phone on screen. Sorry. On screen phone calls.
6: Oh, Mr. Honey.
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: I'm being replaced by Blair Garner's America's Morning Show and I'm Borderline Suicidal. Unscreen phone calls. I'm gonna intercept with three Papa John's pizzas.
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: Can you play the lone dinosaur On
1: screen phone On-screen phone calls. Unscreen phone calls.
2: Billy the kid who loves child porn says bring back baby Mac.
1: Unscreen phone calls.
2: All oh, niggers will die. Wow. out. Unscreen phone calls. Drive by trucker's new album comes out March third.
6: Unscreen phone calls. I'm hearing Ron Bennington's un. Don't <laughs> <God, dang> fuck it up. <coughs>
1: phone calls.
3: Unscreen
1: awesome. phone calls. Unscreen phone calls. Have you seen my fucking keys? On-screen phone calls.
2: Yeah, can I get that number for that broken rototiller?
1: On-screen phone calls. You say Jimmy down? On-screen phone calls. Howard Stern sucks. Eastside Dave rules. On-screen phone. whoops. On-screen phone calls.
6: Oh, it fuck me. It fuck me hard. On-screen phone calls. Say cookie. Say cookie. Say cookie.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Yeah, my
2: dad used to give me chicken livers.
1: On screen phone calls. Fuck Chris Stanley, 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 fuck Chris Stanley. On screen phone calls.
6: Hey, bring back Troy Quan, free Troy Quan.
1: On screen phone calls. <laughs>
6: Unscreen
1: On screen
2: phone calls. I would love to eat feathers and mud pie. On
1: screen phone calls. Uh, pizza pie. Unscreen phone calls.
6: Pepper Hicks has a cumbelly?
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: I love lamb.
1: Unscreen phone calls.
6: It takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. Unscreen phone calls. Hey, this is Pepper Hicks' dad. The other day I saw some young black men on the street. I said, yo, what's up, young bloods? Where's Jimmy's at? We need to score some
1: H. Unscreen phone calls.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Ice cream phone calls. Remember, you guys still got that uh, code word to get run off your ass. Cranky Grandpa or something. You just might need it today.
1: Ice cream phone calls. Ice cream phone calls.
6: Can't wait till April, you fruity faggot.
1: Ice cream phone calls.
6: Well, there's come stains on the pillow where she was laid. <laughs>
9: Thank you for calling the Ron and Fez Show. No one is currently available to screen your call. Please hold, and Ron and Fez will be right with you. Please stand by
6: for your unscreened calls.
1: Unscreened phone calls.
6: Cockbeat. Nothing but cockbeat.
1: Unscreened phone calls.
8: Hi, just comes in there? Unscreened phone calls.
3: The lone dinosaur. Dinosaur.
1: Tell me sisters like me, dinosaur. if I
6: was weird you. Dinosaur. we On phone calls. Hi, Ron. It's me, Earl's dead grandmother. I might be in heaven getting put on the rotisserie by Arthur Ice and Sidney Pontier. Love. On phone calls. Hey, it's Charlie B. Go to pal talk. That's o- and A- Emporium.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: These are my balls.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: 911 needs to be investigated. Our government is behind it. So, Cajun's.
1: On screen phone calls.
6: Let's all get the mouth, On screen phone calls. Surprise, surprise, white guys. Race War the remake on DVD now. Fuck the salad. You get the meat. I phone calls. As soon as I'm done with my office job, I'm going to go have my sports
3: program. I phone calls.
1: I <laughs> phone calls. Hashtag Pepper Hicks Come belly On screen
6: phone calls Hi can I place an order For delivery
1: On screen phone calls What you want the moon Let me just throw A lasso around And bring it right Down here for you. On screen phone calls On screen phone calls On screen phone
6: calls Katie said you disappeared For a couple days And didn't know it Did
1: you On screen phone calls
6: Yes, I have Kick Messenger. It is Richard
2: Diamond, and I would love to have pictures of tits sent to me. On screen phone calls. Hey, phone calls.
3: Put up
1: the screen or something. You're going to get flies in the house. Double guns, baby. Double guns. On screen phone calls. I
3: miss sheepy. On screen phone calls. What oh, is there, Ronnie
1: B? It's not so lovely?
3: Yes, Fuck.
1: On screen phone calls. On screen phone calls
6: It takes a tall turkey to weigh a ton
1: On screen phone calls The deserting has heart On screen phone calls Oh, it's doing On screen phone calls Excuse me On no!
6: screen phone calls Bring me back my flare fish. Bring me that face
8: On screen phone calls the lone dinosaur,
6: his tail was swift as lightning dinosaur. Whenever there was trouble, he'd be there to fight the carnivore.
1: On-screen on phone calls. Nick Bastille, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ms- what NickBastioRadio.com. If you need to say something to me, I always say it in his ear and then he'll pass it on. He hasn't been doing that? I gave him a message. He wouldn't He wouldn't say? Why do you want me to break now? Because
4: Mr. Novak is in the green room. Okay. Uh,
1: we'll be right back with unmasked. It is the Ron and Fez show. That was on screen phone calls. When we get back, it's the Ron and Fez show unmasked with B.J. Novak.
3: Product.
10: Serious XM. comedy hits. Gentleman.
2: From the Sirius XM Studios in New York City, this is Sirius XM's Unmasked with actor, comedian, screenwriter, director, and now author, B.J. Novak. B.J. is perhaps
0: best known for playing Ryan Howard on The Office. Anybody can be Prince Charming one day a year with the dinner and the flowers and all that. But you know what impresses me? When a guy can do that. No days a year. Yeah, I'm not a temp anymore. I got Jim's uh, old job, which means at my 10 year high school reunion, it will not say Ryan Howard is a temp. It will say Ryan Howard is a junior sales associate at a mid range paper supply firm. That'll show him. He's also worked with
2: Quentin Tarantino in Inglorious Bastards. The German's nickname for me is the Little Man. And as if to make my point, I'm a little surprised how tall you were in real life. When you're a little fellow, but not circus, which is little. And he's just released his first book, One More Thing, Stories and Other Stories. Here's your special guest, BJ Novak. And now, here's the host of Unmasked, Ron Bennington.
1: My friend is hardcover. That's, that's a hardcover. A hardcover book. Cover. Yep. Uh, I was telling you this walking over. I think it's the most impressive thing that you can do in the arts is to sit down and write a book. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it was hard. In that's what she said. Um, no, it was
0: hard. In, uh, <laughs> it's a nice call to take it out of me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> it. Uh, it. It was. It was difficult, but uh, in the best way. It was. It was the kind of thing that you got obsessed about, or I got obsessed about doing it, and so it felt like scratching an itch constantly
1: well we always have this idea of a guy sitting there drinking scotch smoking cigarettes next to a cabin is it anything at all is it that romantic or is it every now and then yeah
0: yeah yeah every now and then it is (laughs) yeah um i drank more scotch before i wrote the book so (laughs) um i can't say i did it for the scotch and i don't smoke but there is every now and then you feel um you feel glamorous sort of editing something in a cafe or Traveling abroad and writing in your hotel room. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's that's, cool. It's right. part of
1: why I wanted to do it. Yeah. It exa- that's exactly the way we picture it because now your friends look like hack TV writers. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Bunch of fucking losers. Yeah. And there you are having lunch with Fran Leibowitz. Yeah. Both of you discussing how difficult it is. Uh, but that's the way I've always pictured it, you know? Yeah. Uh, the difference I think in writing a book is you're, uh, you know, in any other type of comedy is you're dependent upon the, Timing of your reader, you know what I mean. You, you know, you you don't necessarily have Steve Carell yeah. reading this book. Right. It's anybody. It's just you, and not even you. Right.
0: It's your disembodied words. Yeah. Um. I tried really hard to get the feel of conversation in these stories. That's the tone I always wanted in my writing. So I would read the stories live to audiences about a hundred at a time with a pen in my hand, and see what worked and see what felt natural and really try to get my natural voice into these stories.
1: Most humor books, for me, I think are fun to read out loud anyway. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to do like a Jack Handy thing, call the family in and then take the credit as if you somehow came up with this. Right. But it's always, it's much better than just reading to yourself.
0: Yeah, I think I think a book that is meant to be read out loud um, is just naturally a more, it it just feels
1: more alive. Mm Mm-hmm. This was always the goal, uh even when you were doing stand up and writing for TV. No, it
0: didn't occur to me actually. Yeah. I always uh identified as a writer, but never as a writer of something like this, never as a book writer. Mm-hmm. Um but as the office ended, I had so many ideas that I had accumulated that excited me as much as any others, but they weren't for Dwight. Right. They weren't for Creed. Although just about anything could be for Creed. Yeah. <laughs> um, they you know, they were kind of more personal or, or um involved, uh, often, you know, very funny, but in a different way from the office. So I didn't know what to do with all these ideas and they became this book.
1: Well, normally when we think about somebody who's been to L.A., when they write a book, it's, you know, funny stories. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, Marty Scorsese walks in and you have a funny story about that. But no, this is straight fiction. This is all fiction. This is fiction, although some of the experiences of my life became the inspirations
0: for fiction mm-hmm. in a more abstract sense. Some some of the celebrity, sort of the um, the odd philosophical situation of being around celebrity and, mm-hmm. and feeling more special but knowing you're not more special, and seeing someone more famous and knowing they're not more special than you but you kind of think they probably are. Right. Um, <laughs> that feeling is something i wanted to to put into the minds of everyone who feels a version of that um whether they're very famous or a little famous or famous in their field or famous to their family what what does that mean to be celebrated and when do you deserve it and when do you not so some of the stories feature real people that i i hope it's okay with them um <laughs> johnny depp is in a story right Justin Bieber is a character in, in a story about Chris Hansen who has to go to one of his concerts yeah. um, with his daughter. And he's afraid that everyone's staring at him, wondering <laughs> who he's going to bust. Um, but, you know, that, that was a story I wanted to tell about um, about selfishness versus, you know, he doesn't want to go to this concert, but his daughter doesn't understand that. And when do you just suck it up and do it? Um, that's what she said. It's, <laughs> I, I tried to put these experiences into these stories, so even if I felt them, um, they found their way into the work in a different way.
1: Now, do you have to check in when you use a real-life person? Does somebody have to call Tony Robbins and say, there's a story here? Yeah. You may or may not like it. Yeah. Um, there's a story in the book called
0: Walking on Eggshells or When I Loved Tony Robbins, and Julianne Moore reads it on the audiobook. It's this very emotional telling of this woman who uh wanted to fuck tony robbins (laughs) and hired tony robbins as her personal motivator to help her achieve her goal of fucking tony robbins (laughs) and tony robbins is like i'm married i'm not attracted to you for a lot of reasons this isn't going to happen he says it in this tony robbins voice though and um and she is so intent on achieving this that Tony Robbins, the motivator, can't not do this. He's like, "All right, here's how I'm. Here's how we make you irresistible to me. Here's how you break up my marriage. Let's do this." And you know, it became about someone who can't resist doing his job well. Um, so that one, I I don't know what Tony Robbins would think of it,
1: but I, I love the idea of the fact that you. You in that case, you write from the point of view of a woman. There's a lot of kids uh that show up and kind of um bright kids yeah smart kids smart beyond their age so and most people like i said i think it's tough for men to write from from a different sex or even age Mm -hmm. for men i think there are some thoughts that i identify
0: with that um they don't really feel like my public persona necessarily Mm -hmm. um that's why I have more than one Twitter. I have fictional people as Twitters <laughs> when, I, when I have something I want to say as as a sixteen year old girl, or, <laughs> um,
1: a twenty two year old African American. Yeah, you uh, are going to get Chris Hansen to show up. You're going to be really <laughs> I'm careful. I'm not trying to catfish anybody. I have
0: I have uh, I have things I want to say, and some of them became stories in the book. Yeah. Um. So funny if I'm arrested right after this interview. <laughs> um. But I, you know, you're especially when you become known for a certain thing um like my character Ryan on the office although he did change a lot over the years but he was still the same the same guy um you can get you can feel limited and fiction is a way to show all the corners of your mind that someone might not expect you to feel and sometimes it, it it's a thought that kind of felt feminine i sort of thought like what is this wo- who is this woman who would long for a man like this and I, it was interesting to get into her head and the children, you know, I very vividly remember being a bright kid yeah, who um, considered that a burden because I was a troublemaker and I was always right. being sent to the principal's office and they would always say, you have so much potential. You're so bright. You have so much potential. And it was never a compliment. It no. was always so, why are you fucking up? <laughs> right. And it, it sort of became something I was self-conscious about. I didn't want to be smart. I wanted to be cool. Yeah. It wasn't cool. Um, I wanted to be cool. And so, I think I also write from the perspective of a, a bright kid a lot because I have a lot of memories of that and not all happy memories, kind of complicated memories of that.
1: Um, and this is about what age that, that you started to notice being bright is... I started getting
0: in trouble when I was in first or second grade. Yeah. Sounds trouble like I, like, sounds like I knocked somebody up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was this girl in a Third situation... <laughs> I, I was sent to the principal's office for like, uh, you know, rowdy. Yeah. You hate Like making up songs and teaching them to everyone. And, um, <laughs> that was, you know, first, second grade. So pretty young. Yeah. And that's when they'd say, you're so bright. Why are you acting this way?
1: And, but then you actually did end up doing well in school, right? I mean, you, you went I, to I did
0: end up doing well in school and I also continued to, you know, then I was the guy on punked. So my, <laughs> yeah, trouble, yeah. my troublemaker side stayed yeah. alive.
1: But did you ever fit in with the cool kids?
0: No. Uh, close. Yeah. I was the, I could help, like, actually, this is an incredibly relatable story if you're a fan of The Office because John Krasinski, my, Mm -hmm. who plays Jim, of course, was in my high school class at Newton South High School. Strange. Swear to God. Um, we'd known each other our whole lives and he was one of the cool kids. And I, (laughs) as you can tell on the show. Yeah. And I, as you can tell on the show, is a guy who really wished he was a cool kid. Oh, I tried. (laughs) will try anything to be a cool kid. Um, And that, I I wouldn't say I acted in desperation, but I felt like I wasn't an outcast. Right. But I wasn't quite a cool kid. But, you know, I wrote funny pieces for the school newspaper. And I wrote, I sort of became the funny kid that the cool kids... Would accept for that reason sometimes. So right. I wrote the senior show, or I wrote and directed the senior show our senior year and cast John Krasinski in it. Mm. Um, so I think I was I had a role to play among the cool kids. I could come to their parties now and then. Right. I wasn't like a loser or someone tormented, but um but I'd say people ask, do you sit in the front of the bus or the back of the bus? I sat in the middle of the bus, <laughs> like most kids, you know. No one ever
1: thinks about the middle yeah, of the bus. Everyone's kid. in the middle of the bus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how buses are built. Right? <laughs> the extremes get all the attention, yeah, though. Always. Right. I wasn't yeah. an extreme. Now, for any young people listening or whatever, if you want to be a cool kid or hang out with the cool kids, have really good weed. And no one ever brings <laughs> that up. I should have just done that. Yeah. Did if, you have that? If there would be a teacher that would just say, if you kids deal, you will be accepted at these parties Yeah <laughs> They never tell the kids that. Yeah But I love the angle of the middle of the bus kid it's, That was me Yeah And I guess it's most people It's most people Yeah So when you and John were both up for the office Did he remember you? Did oh yeah <laughs> okay, no, We knew each on. other very go well again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought it was one of those things of What school did you go to?
0: Yeah You have him yeah. on the show And he's like I'd never met that guy before in my life Yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, because actually the guy who is doing the whistleblowing on Chris Christie, they went to the same school together, were on the baseball team, and Christie doesn't remember him. And oh. I know that it's the back of his mind, now I got you. I'm more right. amazed that Chris Christie was an athlete. That's what he... Well, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to assume catcher on that team. Yeah. I don't know. Baseball is a, fe- <laughs> a more forgiving sport. It is. Yeah. There are certain sports that have a place for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um so when you found yourself in Harvard, that's where those kind of funny smart kids go. That right. That was the
0: better place for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um I wrote for something called the Harvard Lampoon, which yeah. is a famously uh well, on campus it had kind of a negative reputation. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, and and there was a point to it. People said Lampoon isn't funny. It wasn't always funny. It was kind of more insular and concerned about making each other laugh, which Mm -hmm. um, which I was frustrated by because I was like, "Let's go, let's do this, make this great magazine." But I also um, it was also an indulgence in the good sense, and that you really indulged um, thinking really seriously about comedy, trying to impress the other kids. And this was this like bizarrely lucky tradition for me, yeah. Where for a hundred years people had been in this like weird castle in Harvard Square. Um, trying to show off with more and more intricate forms of comedy. It was incredible comedy training at a young age.
1: And at one time it was a pastime, but now it is kind of a door to. It's become more of a career path. Yeah. Um, which
0: is weird. And I think some people are a little uncomfortable with because it, it, it's not meant to be that. I mean, it's meant to be a more pure, uh, comedy organization, but it, it does make sense. People come out, you know, kids who go to Harvard tend to do their homework and they tend mm-hmm. to. You know, if you assign them a script on a writing staff, they tend to deliver, and they've had all this great training. So I, I would hire a guy out of the Harvard Lampoon, but I, I don't think it's great that people think of anything at that age as a career path. Unless you're, like, playing college football, then you really should be thinking about playing
1: on the <laughs> Yeah. But you, did you think to yourself, hey, people have gone on and yeah. done some great things? I mean, things? it wasn't
0: why I was doing it, but I did think as I started, um, as I started approaching graduation, I did think maybe, maybe this is my way. Mm-hmm. to become the type of writer i want to be
1: and you've been around writing your whole life your dad uh yep. is a writer yep and uh but he ghost wrote he, he's the, a ghost writer it's yeah. an
0: interesting profession he writes memoirs for famous people so magic johnson was the big one when i was a kid he wrote you know it says magic johnson my life and then with william novak that's my dad. <laughs> yeah.
1: so the, basically they give some facts and your dad puts the whole thing together yeah he
0: interviews them for a long yeah. time and and my dad shapes it into a book in their voice. That's,
1: to me, had to be the oddest thing of all, knowing that your dad did that kind of work. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's really different. And your dad's having a, a pretty intimate time with some of the most famous people, I guess, in America. Yeah. You got to meet a lot of these people growing I got up. to
0: meet some of them, yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was I think, maybe my introduction into the surreal. Right. because you know? we were in a pretty traditional town, Newton, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then... uh, to use the most extreme example, I was having dinner with Michael Jackson um, at Deepak Chopra's house in Western Massachusetts. It really happened, and then back to school, right? You know, and it wasn't like we lived in L.A. Right? It was really weird. Yeah. So it, I think that was my introduction to the ordinary and the extraordinary, just being very close together.
1: Yeah, because when you are, you know, in a small town like that, Michael Jackson just exists as an idea. You exactly.
0: Know? So These you go back and say,
1: hey, I know that guy. Yeah, that's the dude from dinner. No, <laughs> no. that's, um. um, shut up middle of the bus, kid. You're yeah, right. Get back in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel like too weird to even explain to people?
0: Sometimes. Yeah. Um. Sometimes it felt like too, I, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that is now, that does remind me of your stories of their kind of average people this surreal, mm-hmm. strange thing happens, yeah. and then what do you do with it? You know, yeah. Where do you put it? Right. Um, because the mind, the mind is moving all the time just to find a spot for these kind of experiences.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's something that's always interested me probably from that age is, is how that line between the fantastic and the mundane is just always right in front of you, always shifting. You never know. Yeah. And it's something I like about L.A. too. You never know. You know, you could have the most boring day and the most boring weather day after day, and then you're in line at the supermarket, and it's Leonardo DiCaprio.
1: Right. And then back to, you know, it's, back it's, to... it's the same surreal life. Yeah. But that's even what I'm thinking of here on your path, that you get a TV show with a guy from your high school that you know. That's, that's like a head injury in a coma weird you. dream. When you said, did you
0: not tell people about Michael Jackson, it's going to high school with John Krasinski that I don't tell people because it's too weird <laughs> yeah it is it's just so weird and I have thought exactly in that head coma injury type of way like if I ever woke up right and the, the office had been a dream I'd be like I knew it was a dream <laughs> yeah. why well, was fucking John Krasinski <laughs>
1: That's he, how I'd know Yeah, right.
0: total bullshit But
1: you really didn't look like John It was instantly. John But it wasn't John Like <laughs> yeah. His hair was a little different But Like people called him Jim But Like Then I'd say hey Johnny He'd say hey It was
0: like Oh weird dream
1: Yeah I, And I guess he felt the same way Like you guys were You know As this thing's popping Because he didn't have a big career Before this We were both 24 I mean who 24 has a big years old Yeah, Yeah And Writing to you was even more important than being on the show?
0: Yeah, writing was really my role at the show too. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm obviously more known for being on camera, but I was I spent most of every day in the writer's room. I'd only go to set if I had a scene.
1: Really? So it wasn't even like watching the other actors leave and you were staying. You were with the writers. Yeah, I wouldn't even know they're the gone. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Always. And loved loved that aspect.
0: Well <laughs> it's a job too. I mean. Right. It can be very frustrating. And part of the reason I love the book is because there's no, no collaborators. And while the collaborators can make your work so much better, sometimes you really want something to happen and you just get vetoed. It's not your choice. You know, Jim's not going to kiss Pam that way. He's going to kiss her this way. And that's just the end of the conversation. And it's painful because you care about these characters a lot. Um, and you also, you might be there at, you know, five in the morning arguing about this right. before you lose. So it can be a frustrating thing yeah. as great as it is.
1: And a lot of great ideas at five in the morning are embarrassing. You know what I mean? They're embarrassing the next day. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we would
0: think, oh my God, this is the funniest episode of all time. And then the network would read it and be like, have you lost your fucking mind? (laughs) But they wouldn't phrase it like that. They'd say, a lot of good stuff here. Um, We almost wonder if you maybe lost your fucking mind (laughs) around page one. Mm.
1: Everyone's polite. So, how many years the office held together? It was on for nine years. Nine years. Yeah. Nine years, which is incredible. It's like high school and college for
0: someone who had to repeat a year in high school.
1: <laughs> and most of us did. Okay. Uh, and then you get to move to the back of the bus. You get a little bit bigger and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, so what's now. up, guys? Yeah. What's going on? Um, got some weed. No. <laughs> not you kids, though. You're all nice. You're nice ones. Uh, this, it's just you by yourself. An editor that you're bouncing this stuff off of? Or? Yeah, an ed- two editors
0: and yeah. a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. I I wrote a lot of stories that didn't make the book because I had friends vote on them and mm-hmm. the ones that really nobody liked I took out. And I would read them, as I told you, in front of audiences. And I would take out the ones that didn't feel right. People weren't, no one booed. But <laughs> I, I, could, I could, could tell when right. something wasn't right. So I'd say the audience was actually my best editor.
1: Now, doing stand-up, there's a certain rhythm to telling jokes and being funny. How is that different when you're reading a piece to an audience? Well, um,
0: there's just more intensity. There's more attention over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's okay for something to pay off a page later, whereas in stand-up, I would never trust that. I would never go for two and a half minutes before a
1: punchline. Sure, exactly. And you've got 50 or 60, I guess, different stories in there. There's a lot of stories. 64, yeah. 64. Uh, some of them much longer. Some of them are very, very short. Yeah. But so the pacing changes immediately. Yeah. that's different. I like that. That was my yeah. intention.
0: Um, I wanted, and they actually, I think, can I see the book? I think sure. they printed it. Um, yeah, with these jagged edge pages, which I mm-hmm. love because I wanted the book to feel literally jagged. Right. I wanted a short one and a long one and a crazy one and a and a grounded one and an emotional one and a a silly one. I wanted it to feel jagged and and always keeping on your toes and you're you ought to always have curiosity if you're reading it at night like, well, what's one more? What's the next one?
1: Right. And then it's also interesting sometimes is that you'll find out as a reader, you're reading in the last you know the cadence of the one before. So right. you have to stop and say yeah. oh shit this is a little yeah. bit of sentimental here right, like, right. <laughs> I oh, gotta go back this is a
0: 16 year old girl now <laughs>
1: yeah, right. which actually
0: happens <laughs> yeah. one of the pieces is about a girl who um, is obsessed with Kate Moss mm-hmm. she, she stares at pictures of Kate Moss every day then she meets Kate Moss Carrie Mulligan reads this in the audio book brilliant, brilliantly um, she stares at pictures of Kate Moss every day for four hours then she sees Kate Moss Kate Moss's stare for longer and you'll be Kate Moss. That's how I became Kate Moss. <laughs> and she stares, and she becomes Kate Moss, or so yeah. she says. You know, that's a very abstract um, story, and to me, it's relatable. You know how how can I be who I want to be? Um, but I put in the voice of this girl because it just, I I don't know, just was how I was inspired. But that one I think is right next to Wikipedia Brown, which is a parody of Encyclopedia Brown for the internet age. And I like that you never know, and you you do have to adjust, I right. think, a little bit and, and reset. Why don't you read one of these for us? Would right. you do that? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Let's see, what we got. I'm wait till you hear it.
3: <laughs>
0: I can read it. Start with a really short one, and see uh, if that if that feels like enough or not. This is a really short one. One of the sort of sweet ones, breaking up a couple longer ones. This is called the man who posted pictures of everything he ate. <laughs> Once there was a man who posted pictures online of most of the things he ate. He put up pictures of most of his meals and some of his snacks with little captions. Yum. I made this myself. Hits the spot. Salty. I'm going to regret this tomorrow. Yum. And plenty of times, most of the time, he simply let the pictures speak for themselves. The 16, then 15, then 16... Then 14 people who followed him made fun of him for it mercilessly. Why do you post pics of your food? We don't give a what you ate. The more they teased him, the more he did it. And the more he did it, the more they teased him. Why do you always post pictures of your food? He did it because it made him feel like he was eating his meals with more people. It was the same reason he liked the teasing. That's a little abstract and sweet. Should I do another one? Yeah. <laughs> now I want to go with a more harder hitting one. Um, I'm looking for a piece called the, "A New Hitler."
1: <laughs> that's that's seriously one of my favorites. Oh, one thanks. of the ones I had to read out loud. The people. Oh, would you like to read it? Yeah. No. No. No.
0: Okay. I like hearing different voices. This is very different. And again, I'm only reading the really short ones because like the one that was in the New Yorker, that's obviously much longer, probably too long for today. Um, people on the radio are hearing this page's turn. Here we go. A new Hitler. We need a new Hitler. <laughs> Let me explain. A Hitler nothing like the old Hitler. I think we can all agree that the old Hitler was a monster, a maniac, and an evil man. I'm talking about a new Hitler. I'm talking about a Hitler who's against genocide. I'm talking about a Hitler who's opposed to world domination. Now that's the kind of Hitler I could get behind. A Hitler who wants to improve our schools. A Hitler who understands that ordinary Americans need more access to health care and isn't afraid to tell that to Congress. A new Hitler. A good Hitler. Hopefully, the new Hitler would not have the name Hitler, <laughs> <laughs> because I think people might find that distracting.
3: <laughs> that's a strong that.
1: Thank you. And that's completely different muscles that you got to flex for that, I guess. Yeah. Compared to TV and writing for your own stand-up. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do you how do you jump into that different place? How do you? Get into that. Well, my mind is jumping around all the time, and, mm-hmm. and so um, it's very
0: sort of restless and distractible inside. So I, uh, to me, it was very exciting to be able to jump. I always want to jump around. When I was starting these stories, I would be 10 pages into one story, and the next day, to start a new one. I never wanted to continue what I had written. I always wanted to jump around. And then I'd go back, and uh, some people say that the best work is happening when you're procrastinating from something else. So with all these stories, I was always putting off some other story when I was writing a new one. And that enabled me to to write so money.
1: So, is a novel a goal for you,
0: or not? Not unless I came up with something that I really thought would hold the reader's attention. Mm-hmm. And then, in case I would, some of these stories are you know twenty, twenty five pages, yeah. Um, and and that's good enough for now.
1: Is there a a comedic novel that you love, grew up loving, or there's a book not? called Candy, and Candy Terry, Terry, Southern Terry Southern and Mason
0: yeah. Um That's probably my favorite. Lolita is very comic, yeah, uh, and also very sad and. Disturbing and beautiful. Chris
1: Hansen, again is going yeah. to show up for that. It's funny. I read Lolita <laughs> when I was seventeen. And I was
0: like, "This is not bad." Yeah. I, I know twelve-year-olds. Whatever. <laughs> Every time I reread it, it gets right. a little, a little more disturbing.
1: And I don't even, yeah. And I don't think Candy's that old either. The Terry Southern book. Candy uh, is, a, I
0: think, a college freshman. Yeah. Is so, she? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, but it's great that you that you bring up uh, even Terry Southern because now I, I do that's that kind of surrealism that not a lot of people write in yeah like that anymore yeah and certainly we don't get it in film that much uh i guess kaufman charlie kaufman stuff or i'm i'm a huge fan of charlie kaufman yeah yeah and he takes that leap and the audience is willing to follow him now right um but i think generally i think we're a little bit afraid to do that in our film um what about woody allen did you were you into him at all growing up or yeah 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 its a weird week to talk about it, yeah <laughs> again, the Chris Hansen thing comes back yeah. into this. This is becoming a theme show, and I yeah. did not even mean for it. yeah, to. Um, but yeah, uh, he writes in uh, his written stuff, which is probably as known as his you know his books, his short stories, yeah not as known as much as his films, but great stuff, yeah, in there, yeah, despite some of the things that you're likely to lead uh, here. Uh, and you're going to keep on acting. You're staying with film Yeah I, I
0: Anytime anyone asks me To be in a movie I'm like Really me Yeah Like it's It's a very exciting thing To act
1: All of that is off The office you, You're you not Pursuing acting You're letting somebody I, per- I
0: pursue it But I don't really know What to do I, I mean I have my agent They know who I am Right It's not like I can I don't know Just show up on a movie set And be like You need anybody today
1: <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Any uh, 5 foot 9 kind of Jewish guys uh, Nothing Okay guys. bye <laughs> Yeah um, but Tarantino, I mean, you've worked with. Yeah. Well, generally,
0: I, I will get a call if, if my agent calls a casting director and the casting director thinks, Oh, perfect. You know, let's, let's have him read. So, um, that happened with the Tarantino movie with Save Mr. Banks.
1: Yeah. You know, how weird was it to be doing Inglorious Bastards? I mean, talk about. Yeah. It was pretty that weird. That was, I mean, for me, that was even a strange place where Tarantino was starting. I know.
0: Well, people were, that was sort of the new phase of Tarantino. That yeah. was sort of the more, um, epic. Uh, the same phase that Django came right came under. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Tarantino was really why I became a writer. Seeing Pulp Fiction made me think that's the coolest thing to be in the world. A writer like that, a writer director. So, um, being on set, I remember that this time we were shooting this outdoor scene um, for the final sequence of the movie. Brad Pitt, I get out of this truck in a night in Berlin. Quentin Tarantino's there in a leather jacket framing a scene. Brad Pitt's there in a white tuxedo. He says, hey, man. And I'm like,
3: <laughs> this is just
0: movie heaven. It's never, ever going to be like this again. No matter who I become, no matter what I do, it's never going to be more glamorous than getting out of a truck in a foreign country and it's Quentin Tarantino in a leather jacket and a, a telescope lens and Brad Pitt in a white tuxedo saying
1: hi. <laughs> it,
0: it's just, it was the coolest thing in the world.
1: And that was just a thing where Tarantino called you? It wasn't like you were pursuing it? or. Well, I never. I mean, the way it works, it, you never
0: know exactly how. I don't know if he thought of it, if his casting director thought of it, if my agent called the casting director. I just get the call from my agent. You have an audition tomorrow, you know. So I, I don't know. I when I met him, he was very um, much a fan of Ryan and Kelly on The Office.
1: Is that right? Yeah. So
0: I think whether or not it was his idea or someone brought it up to him, he said, "Oh yeah, good idea, bring that guy in." But I, I don't. I don't know exactly where it came from.
1: Well, his mind. uh is incredible. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, he really is one of those guys that just has a Rolodex in his mind for anything that's ever been filmed, yep. written. I can't remember anything.
0: On, yeah. I'm like, remember Titanic when he's like, I'm the king
1: of the world? That was
0: fun. <laughs> that like, when I, I, I remember of... the most famous moments of a movie. <laughs> yeah. That's it. He like knows what kind of bullet was and what kind of gun right. and something he saw as a kid.
1: Well, if he only worked on soundtracks, it would oh, be gosh. genius. The, the, yeah.
0: All these soundtracks, but the Grindhouse soundtrack, I think, is his best soundtrack. There's
1: so yeah, but they're all amazing. Yeah, and I agree. Like every single one that you sit down and you're like, if you listen to that soundtrack and just listen to the songs, you're like, this is a dude I want to hang out with. Oh my you god, you know, and just <laughs> yeah. talk music. But is it like that the whole time? Is yeah, there... and if,
0: to a, a surprising degree, maybe because there was a bar called Tarantino's in Berlin that was a Tarantino-themed bar. And that became our hangout with him. <laughs> and so, like, talk about like his style. They're playing his music on screens uh, on a loop. And all the music is a jukebox that's rigged up with all Tarantino soundtrack songs. And one day he was like, We were drinking there. And he's like, I like this place. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much designed for you to like sure. it. Tarantino. Yeah. Um,
1: but it was a cool bar. I mean, he's got the coolest style. But, talk you know, back in your surrealism, that's the weirdest thing, that you show up with a bar that caters to your taste. (laughs) Right. It's got to be weirder. Yes, it's got to be the strangest thing ever. Yeah. And you're in the new Spider-Man. Yeah, um, the one that comes out this summer. And supposedly a very cool character, right? He's a very cool character. I wouldn't
0: say he's pivotal in this movie. Right. um, He's in the sort of mythology of Spider-Man, he's very cool.
1: So yours set up to maybe in the next one. So far it's it's just this one. Yeah. But we know what we hope for. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that that's a whole different direction for you now, one of these giant, you know, comic book movies.
0: Yeah. What what's really cool about it is I love when I'm in a world that people can kind of get lost in and Dunder Mifflin I feel was a world people mm-hmm. really believe in they have the mug you know they know right. where Dwight sat like it, it has a mythology I love being in a world even a comedic world where there's a mythology to it so that there's a mythology to Spider-Man um, even to sort of Tarantino there's sort of a Tarantino universe sure like there's red apple cigarettes that our characters kept in their pockets um, the soldiers in the Glorious Bastards we had red apple cigarettes as a prop you never saw them but he wanted us to have them because red apple cigarettes is what they smoke in Pulp Fiction. Right. You know, he has these connecting strands. And
1: they're even words. related, like they're biologically related to people in other of his Occasionally films. Occasionally they are, yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden you see that he has this large line yeah. that runs through all of his films. They're right? all his creations, and so they're all related. Yeah. So that must have been great for you. I mean, you said you, you wanted to write because of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But just to hang out with him yeah. and know that someone could be that bold to say, yeah, these things exist. Yeah. has got to give you a, a feeling of freedom to do it yourself. Um, you? it was intimidating though, too. Yeah. I mean, to see the actual
0: hero of yours up close, it, it's hard to, it's hard to feel, you just want to follow him everywhere and right. do whatever he does. Um, in some ways, it's more inspiring to be frustrated uh, and, and as opposed to inspire because you're like, I could do this shit better. Like, that, that is actually, when I started doing stand-up, I'd be like, these guys fucking suck. You know? Right. I would never take my buddy to this show. Yeah. You know, that inspired me more than great comics, so. Yeah,
1: yeah that's the guy you want to follow. Like, let oh, me go sure. up after him. Yeah. I don't want to go up after Jerry Seinfeld. Let's exactly. Let a I once other went up after there. Rodney Dangerfield.
0: <laughs> and all I could basically do is like, hey, another round of applause for Rodney <laughs> yeah. Dangerfield. Wasn't he great? That's all right? I was thinking
1: about. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what was that? Yeah. So you would never want to show your work to Tarantino and say I would love him to see it
0: and surprise me by saying, Hey, I loved your thing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I wouldn't want to know
1: that he's gonna watch it though. Yeah. He is like so into his own world. He was in here one time and I'll never forget it. Because you look down, he was wearing these great sneakers and he had and this was I guess he was pushing bastards at the time. And he had written on his sneakers, Kill Bill. And you're just like, yeah, yeah I would do that with my sneakers too, but not yeah. being Tarantino, just being a high school yeah, kid. Yeah, exactly. And the Pussy Wagon from Kill yeah. Bill, he has that. Yeah,
0: He drives around in it sometimes. So
1: that's the thing about him. He watches his movies and he's like, that's some cool shit. Right, man. yeah. I really like to collect some of that stuff. You can tell he loves his movies. Yeah. you. Uh, I know you've directed TV, yep. uh, film in the back of your mind? Um, when I write something, I want to direct it. Really? Yeah.
0: But I don't think I would direct someone else's thing. I'm just too much of a writer.
1: Are you thinking small or, you know, like an independent thing, or do you want to go large on it? You know, I really um, have a
0: populist bent. I re- you know, I start small and personal, but I really like this book. I want this to be in airports. I want this to be sold at Urban Outfitters. Like, I want this to be a popular book. Yeah. So... I really believe in that because I was a kid from the suburbs and I liked when smart shit found its way to me. Right. Um, and I don't think that stuff should be only for this little elite, you know, indie cinema type of thing. Um, that said, I think it's also very good to start from a place of what's authentic and not how do I make a blockbuster. But I, So I think my process, same as the book, I, I want to start with something that I really believe in and then try to make it as popular as possible.
1: Well, when you are a kid in the suburbs and you're reading Terry Southern... Yeah, that is unbelievably mind blowing. Yeah, I can remember different books that you would carry around for a while. You know, for me, it's certainly like Kerouac, where I'm just like, I've now figured it out. Right, you can drop out and make a career out of that. Right. And now, when I read it at this age, it's a totally different. You know, I remember another book was you know, uh, uh, the Tom Wolfe book with Kesey, and uh, they're on the bus. Um the with the Merry Pranksters. And I remember being a kid going, That's great, just going around giving people acid. That was I this is a job that I could do. Yeah. And now I read it and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, what were they thinking? Yeah. But I don't you think kids more than anyone else need that kind of art? A hundred percent. That's
0: the that's the age to reach. That's the most exciting age to discover something that takes you to the next level of how you think.
1: Uh, because that's what they're waiting for. That's what they're waiting to be. Yeah, know. they're waiting for it and their minds
0: are open and I was definitely that kid and I was very into like, not just Kerouac but sort of the rock and roll writer idea. Mm-hmm. Bukowski and, um, and William S. Burroughs I liked a lot. I really, that these people could be so extreme and no one was banning, them. I mean we're lucky, we, we don't have these books banned but some people do try to ban them but that, these books actually were on shelves and I could hold it and I take it from the library my parents didn't Tell me not to. Right. It was really, really exciting to see all the ways people think.
1: And now, do you think Twitter and and the internet gets in the way of a kid embracing? I think it probably helps. You know, yeah. It, it. There's
0: kids. You know, again, I was a kid from the suburbs, but it was sort of a pretty enlightened, upscale suburb where they weren't going to ban a book from a library. Mm -hmm. I can imagine a kid just like me being in a small town in another part of the country where the library bans those books and the Internet is probably how they come across uh, important stuff. So I I, I would uh, optimistically guess that it helps.
1: Well, I think, for me, what blows me away is the kids can find out so much so fast. Yeah. Because I think, in the case of Kerouac, I might have read it in, like, a Dylan article and then went down to the yeah. bookstore and kind of looked at it for a while before I got some money together for it. And now you could just throw it into google and end up reading the whole backstory i mean you would what, what, what took me years a kid could probably do in a weekend now
0: yeah you know when i think back to doing homework i picture doing it with the internet but i didn't have the internet no it just fills in my mind that way
1: yeah i would definitely just cut and paste now if i was doing homework Wow, oh. it would just like here it is <laughs> it's all perfect yeah. i hope you love it yeah or you just tell the teacher just google it why yes, me? it's all right there for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, that's what you're saying is uh, when you're brought up about not having a memory, you don't really need a memory these days. Right. You can your quickly. in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. So that's why you don't go into a bar and just play trivia. You know, people would do sports trivia in a bar back and forth, but now just a guy with the phone's going, ah, uh, it's was Wade Boggs. You know yeah. what I mean? It's over.
0: What Great reference. I loved Wade Boggs.
1: Well, I'm sure you did from that part of the world, yeah. huh? Until
0: he got in trouble. Everyone gets in trouble.
1: Yeah, isn't it true?
0: Yeah. I wonder what my thing will be.
1: <laughs> do, you have a, do you have that dark weakness that uh, could pull you down?
0: No, which scares me, because yeah. maybe it's coming to
1: surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we were talking about Surreal earlier. This, to me, is the strangest thing, that you did a book trailer for. Yeah. Uh, you know, a trailer like a movie trailer, but for the book, where did you get to shoot that? Because you just said you were in Paris.
0: We were not in Paris. Okay. <laughs> uh, it
1: was a, a coffee shop in L.A. Yeah. It's really, really great. Thanks. And it sits as the sketch, and, and Mindy did it uh, yeah. with you. You guys have always been supportive back to when you guys met each other uh, early on. Supportive slash uh, worst enemies, yeah. Is that real? <laughs> so close, yeah. Is that true? Oh, back and
0: forth every day, yeah.
1: That's the weirdest thing, because that's kind of how That's how the they came characters. up with Ryan and Kelly you guys were just we hosting. were so
0: entertaining to everybody and our love hate <laughs> every day that they were like that's what should happen with those guys on the show so yeah no, that is our day I mean it's much calmer now Um <laughs> it's much much more sort of calm positivity now but there were years when it was just we didn't even know on a given day if we were friends or enemies
1: and yet, you guys have that relationship where people think, like, this is a rom-com. Right. Don't they know they're in love? Don't they Yeah, know? I think
0: that's the main reason we don't get together, is all the people that be like, I knew it. Yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> wow, you're so a smart person on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but there's never been... Do you just want to stay friends, you guys, or you've talked um, it over? I, as far as things stand now, I think that's the best
0: decision. Yeah. But who
1: knows? Uh, I'm going to say don't, because if you have a good friend in the world, why yeah, fuck that up? Right. Some people say, oh, we." everyone wants you to
0: get married. I'm like, do they want us to get divorced, though? Like, <laughs> they, you know, you don't see both sides of everything.
1: Do you like the rom-com culture? Is that, uh, is that an area where you think we, uh, we need another good film? I think film? we need better
0: rom-coms. Yeah. I like a good rom-com. Um, I think it's, you know, all the genres can kind of get stale. Right. You know, I think horror movies were pretty stale until Scream came along. Everyone wanted to see Scream. What a cool movie. And then horror movies got a lot cooler. So maybe rom-coms need... I think Knocked Up was actually a great rom-com. Yeah. That, for me, made me think, oh, how can anyone make a lame movie now that Knocked Up is out? Nope, they did. <laughs> yeah. They just kept making lame movies. And people would just go back to them, which drives me nuts. Yeah, there's just nothing else out, I guess. I mean, yeah. when you think about why someone sees a movie, it's... You know, maybe people in this room will see a movie because they hear there's a great movie they seek out. But most people, it's like a, a bunch of, you know, classmates of yours are all going to go to the movies. Which one should we choose? And it's what movie won't, which movie will you not be embarrassed to suggest? I think that's why blockbusters, um, except the one I'm involved in, which is brilliant. Um, <laughs> I think that's, that, that is the blockbuster culture is what high school kids are not embarrassed. Like, want well, to see Spider-Man? Oh, yeah. You know, cause everyone's seeing it. Yeah. Again, I think these movies are very good, but. In general, I think that is why they have this huge advantage. And no kid wants to suggest something a little arty and got made fun of. And no one wants to, you know, on his one date night with his girlfriend of two months, wants to suggest a movie that might might be brilliant or might be a disappointment. Um,
1: I I think people want to play it safe a lot. Come on, stand up for yourself, you middle-of-the-bus pussies. Come on, (laughs) pick a goddamn hip movie. Uh, The book is out now in... Uh, hardcover. It's uh, One More Thing by B.J. Novak. Now, we promised these folks that they could ask you some questions. Uh, if you get offended, just scream at them. Just yeah. let them know. You can know. say anything on, on serious. Yeah, you can do anything you want here. Yeah. Yes, over here. Yeah, so I was
9: wondering how your process as a writer has changed even on the show. I mean, nine years, do you get used to writing the same stuff or you're constantly looking for inspiration and just how has your writing developed, changed? Good, bad.
0: Well, the nice thing about The Office is it, it was about real life. So as real life changed, um, circumstances could change for the characters. You knew who everyone was, but um, if there was a new trend, um, Kelly could be obsessed with it and Pam could have a take on it and Dwight could misinterpret it. So we could continue to be inspired by real life over the years. Um, so I think that was, that was a nice thing about a
1: realistic show. And no one's character changed more than yours.
0: No one's character changed more yeah.
1: than mine. Yeah. Uh, you, you came in as, oh, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Then you get to be a coked-out maniac. Yep. Then you came back really bizarre yeah. after that as yeah. well. Um, a lot of phases. But, th- I mean, great acting training for you? To, yeah, it's you like know, I played like, five different roles. Yeah, um, yeah no, I think...
0: Because the values set of The Office where you have to be really... You have to be so believable someone might mistake it for a documentary. Mm-hmm. So once you have to be that real and grounded whatever you do that's crazy has that center to it so that was very good acting training
1: uh, i was one of the people who because i saw the english office yeah. i was like well this can't be done in america right yeah. and uh you know you turned all those people around as well because it became a, a yeah. totally different show of course right. uh and even gervais became a big fan of it yeah uh next question over here uh, I just want to know how did it feel to be like on the Spider-Man set especially since um it's now been told that you're playing Aleister Smythe yeah. uh, he's not necessarily a pivotal character as you said but it must be great to just watch
8: like Andrew Garfield and half of Spider-Man so, like, walking around and stuff like that
1: it is cool it is cool to, to be
0: in a building representing Oscorp you know it really does feel like it's a functional building um, but the interesting thing for me was I wasn't told anything about the movie before I showed up I really just had my I knew about my role I knew what I was doing in the scene but I didn't I wasn't shown anything even when I did ADR which is the voice recording just to get the I mispronounced a word so they had me come back and say it right and um, they played my 10 second clip that I had to re-record and I was like oh then what they're like nice try (laughs) like I can't see anything so you still don't
1: know what's
0: uh, I, th- there's not really much I know about the movie. Yeah. I, what I saw was super, uh, super cool. 10 seconds.
1: <laughs> Were you a comic book guy before this? Or? No.
0: Yeah. No, I wasn't. But now you love it. Now you love. Well, I, I always liked Spider-Man. I liked the Spider-Man movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, again, I wasn't, I wasn't,
1: I was a middle of bus kid. No. Do you like him or want to kill him? In the next movie. (laughs) Who? Spider-Man? Yeah. My character? My character's not a good guy. No one's really a good guy except (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah. And you're comfortable playing not a good guy. Well, have you
8: seen The Office? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And just sitting here with you now. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, over here.
8: Yeah, like, I know, like, a lot of writers, like, struggle with confidence and stuff. Like, when you were writing, when you first started out, was someone, when did you achieve, like, that confidence that you could write a funny and good episode? Of the office, or like writing a solid joke. Was it like someone who told you, or like, do you always know? Or I
0: think it was that, you know, youthful cockiness combined with frustration at bad stuff. You know, I think everyone watches TV shows with their friends and it's like, I could fucking write something better than that. And I just believed it. I just kept going. And, um, and sort of by the time I realized how hard it was, it was too late. (laughs) I was already in it. But I think it was, you know, you got to, that cockiness is extremely important the cockiness before you know how hard it's going to be you need that you need to be kanye west in your own mind um <laughs> before you start taking criticism and learning from it which you also have to do with that initial certainty that you get it more than anyone else if you don't have that at the beginning um even if it's false and it's always false to some degree but i think you need that at the start
1: um, were you a TV fan as a little kid, one of those yeah. obsessed guys? I wrote a letter to, uh, to <laughs> I think, Nick,
0: Nickelodeon telling them to put on more sitcoms. Like, I, really, <laughs> I, I loved them. I did.
1: What, how old were you when you did that? Probably 10. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah that's a break. Growing Pains, Full House, I was obsessed with. Um, yeah, not, so not always the wittiest shows. <laughs> but uh, no, I know I, who's the boss. A sort of era, like early right. '90s.
1: It's an amazing thing, too. Like when you're a kid, the excitement level you have when your show—oh my god—is coming tell you on. The lineup of every night, not anymore, <laughs> but I could.
0: Yeah, I knew exactly what was going on.
1: Um, yeah. So, for- um, did you prefer writing on The Office or,
0: you know, acting on The Office better? I preferred. Well, I felt more comfortable writing because that's just who I was. But I felt it was much more fun to act. Much more fun.
1: And as the years went on, you got more and more comfortable in that position, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more question, and then we're going to wrap this up. Yes?
10: Um, could you talk a little bit about what it was like working with Emma Thompson?
1: Yeah. Emma Thompson is the
0: dopest. Um, she's really... Um, she has this real confidence that lets you be really sassy and funny and flirtatious and just, like, kind of gangster. Like, she's really, really <laughs> cool. And... Her process is also very um, unaffected, you know, like she'll be very much in character and then she'll laugh with you a second later and then they'll say action. She'll kind of get in it and just do it. Um, I think because she's British and she's won Oscars and people mistake her for someone without a sense of humor, someone very classy, but she's like a raunchy, fun, (laughs) you know, cool girl, the coolest.
1: Um. Again, we started this talking about Surreal, but your life has been a strange one already, and I'm glad that you're getting it down on paper. Thank you. Uh, one more thing. It's a great read, and I believe we have books for the fo- folks here, Fez. Everybody
5: gets a book. All right. Thank just like you, the Oprah. Oprah. Show,
1: just like Oprah, BJ Novak. It's so much fun to sit down and talk to you, buddy. See you next time coming through.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Ron
4: and Fez. On Raw Dogs. series XM Comedy ads, Hits, channel 99.
5: The
1: Ron and Fez Show has the best callers in radio.
5: The day after the Super Bowl when Seattle destroyed Denver. The Seattle Times newspaper had the simple headline, Champs. Well, that sucks. That's why we called on the Ron and Fez listeners to write us some
1: better headlines.
4: The Ron and Fez Show presents not just headlines, but better headlines.
1: Jeff and Fargo, what's your better headline? He shuts down Peyton's passing lanes. Wes in Louisiana, your better headline.
2: Uh, Peyton now has more time to work at Papa
1: John. Charlie in Maine. Retarded it. David in Charleston, better headline. Angry Birds for Real. Craig, what do you got? Yeah, I got Broncos smoked out of the bowl. Mike in Philly, your better headline.
6: Peyton Manning, more like Peyote Manning.
1: Andy in Cleveland, a better headline. City of Buffalo says that Denver hurts, doesn't it? Rob in Florida, your better headline
6: yeah tom brady spotted in the stadium with laser pointer
5: the ron and fez show weekdays starting at noon eastern
6: on raw dog sirius
5: xm comedy hits 99
2: ron and fez on raw dog
3: SiriusXM xm comedy hits channel 99
1: buddies Ron and Fez show just in an hour with uh, Mr. B.J. Novak his book one more thing one more thing available in uh, hard copy that's class uh, no soft copy uh, books around here it's amazing to me how many times funny people will bring up Terry Southern. I always have that in the back of my head. He was my favorite when I was a kid too. Uh, for people who don't know, he um, did Stanley Kubrick's film with him, which was uh, Doctor Strangelove, and also was a co-writer on. Uh, I can't think of one of the big movies at the end of the decade biker film. I will look it up. Easy Rider. Thank you, Chris Stanley. Easy Rider. Fez, you've read a lot of Terry Southern?
5: No, I haven't read any.
1: What I tell you, every funny person is a big fan of his writing. Amazing. You don't like to. You don't like to uh, read, huh, Fez?
5: No, I have tried several times, and it just doesn't click with me. My brain just wanders, going across the page. Isn't that kind of like what radio is with you too? A lot of things wander. Hmm.
1: Uh, You had something you wanted to talk about today. It's up on the iBank.
5: Yeah, Victoria Jackson, former SNL cast member. That's Miss Jackson if you're nasty. Now, is that the same one? No, different Miss Jackson.
1: Her tit popped out?
5: No, Victoria Jackson's tit has never popped out. She would be against tits popping out anywhere. Too bad. Yeah, she's a Tea Party candidate now for Congress, running out of Tennessee for the U.S. House of Representatives. I'm sorry, the Tea Party isn't Republicans? They're different? Um, it's a branch of the Republicans, but they will call Repu- certain Republicans a Tea Party representative. But a
1: Tea Party would not run against a Republican, right?
5: They would in the primary. Yeah.
1: Okay. But I meant in the uh, general election, a Tea Party will not run against a Republican.
5: Um, no, I don't, I, I don't believe so. No. So she's a Republican. Yeah, but she waves the Tea Party banner.
1: I didn't know they had their own banner. I didn't even know that you waved banners. I thought you waved flags. There's the I thought you carried banners. I always thought of a banner as like in the high school band. Those two kids just had to walk out front with the name of the high school. We're doing it. Uh, that would be an instrument I would like to play. Do you need someone to play right banner? Maybe the football team can run through this. Yes. Go ahead, run through it, guys. It's very, very easy paper. There, <laughs> we worked hard on this, though. You know what'd be great <laughs> if you did it with flash paper, and you know they were just like the magicians, and they wow. ran through. All right. So what you're saying is uh, she's going to be a uh, magician.
5: No, she's gonna be a politician. So, and I just want to endorse Miss Victoria Jackson right away. People at Tennessee in her district, please. Please elect this woman, so we get a we get her shitting out a little piece of comedy gold every single day. Did you just say
1: shitting out a piece of comedy gold? <laughs> That's up?
5: exactly what she'll do if you if you put her in Congress. This is
1: so unfazwatly. I have known you for years, and I've never heard you say someone was shitting
5: something out. <laughs> That's how strongly I feel about this. Send her to DC and we will have this country's very own Rob Ford all to ourselves. She's already put stuff up on her candidate website where she's against bike paths because that leads to due to the conspiracy of fooling people into thinking there's climate change.
1: Are you are you anti um Tea party or just anti-Victoria Jackson?
5: I'm anti all of it. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Victoria Jackson. Of course. You know she's going to she's going to be on the steps of the Capitol talking about how bad last night's episode of Glee was for the country. How Glee's destroying the the nation. This is going to be perfect. Please, if you're in her district, vote for Victoria Jackson. Get this woman into Congress. Wow. One of her other campaign things is no new mosques.
1: No new churches for Muslims?
5: Yeah, because those, according to Victoria Jackson, those are just training grounds. That's al-Qaeda training grounds. They're not churches. That's just all a ruse. It's a big front. They aren't. No. If you see monkey bars going in the back of those things, it's so it's like those Al-Qaeda training films that you see on TV, with guys uh, with their faces covered going across the monkey bars to train on how to be terrorists.
7: Does she like gays? I'm assuming she does.
5: <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> so is this where the real heat comes in? <laughs> you that's... finally got to the meat of this, huh, Shelby? That's, that's where the glee came in. She has a lot of trouble with glee and the gay characters on that show. Hey, Chris? Yeah?
1: Um, Celaire's gonna stop by with some friends. I want you to put her in security for after the show. okay um Wait, I don't know if Chris even knows her, right? I don't know
5: I don't think they've ever met no isn't that weird? How much time has gone by? I don't know if they've ever been in the same room together. I'd
1: see that thing at the top. just text her for full names. Thank you. All right, so Fez, you don't want uh, her in, and you anti tea party. I'm. Where do you saw like little girls having a tea
5: party? I would think that that's kind of a gateway game to being in the actual tea party, so I would try to discourage it. Oh.
1: I didn't know the Tea Party was so bad. I thought they were just against taxes. What are they
5: against? Well, it's you have a perfect representative right here. You have Victoria Jackson.
1: Yeah, but you act like most of us pay a lot of attention to her. I don't think I know her that much after Saturday Night Live. And I know, didn't she always used to do a funny poem and would, like, do a split and tell a joke or something?
5: Yeah, she would do gymnastics. Hopefully that's going to be out on the camp- campaign trail. That's going to end every speech. Well, you're an angry fess. Fuck her up. Yeah,
1: you're going to get her. Uh, Chris Stanley, what's on your mind?
5: There's a
4: new drinking game that's going around. Uh, Let I'm me guess, it. you're in? No, I'm not in. Uh, is it quarters? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Neck Nomination. And a couple of kids have died doing it. Now, this isn't a game. This is more like, remember, T-bowing or owling or boarding where people just take weird pictures of them, pl- themselves yeah. in places? Now it's just, you have to just drink a beer in an odd place. Like if you're hanging upside down. Like your
1: asshole? <laughs>
4: No, like, like hanging upside down, drinking a beer, take a selfie, and then get it out there. Now, a couple of kids have died already in Europe of trying to just drink beers in odd places, and it's being called neck nomination. Like hickeys? No, I don't know why it's called neck. That's just odd. I'm so
1: sure why are they dying? They're falling when they're trying to drink a beer?
4: Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're fucking up, basically. And, and then also, just the drinking the beer in weird places just messes them up.
1: All right, let me just fucking teach the kids something here about drinking games. Don't play a game, just drink. They don't get it. But. Why would it be if you're out drinking, why do you want to lose and then have to drink? How do we you keep want score? To drink. You don't you keep score by this. Do you finally forget your problems? I want you kids to start to treat yourself like you're Lee Marvin. And I don't think Lee Marvin would go, "Oh no, I got to drink this beer." He would just drink it.
7: Like I like beer, but can I Incorporate a frisbee somehow. That's kind of my thing. Some sort of ball sport helps you get drunker. What?
1: Chris, did
4: you work that thing out for me? I'm, do, I'm doing that right the right this second. Just trying, waiting for names.
1: Wait, no one's coming back. I'm doing it without you. Um.
5: You heard on "Mass with B.J. Novak. That is going to replay this weekend. Oh, it is? Saturday night, 8 p.m. right here on Raw Dog Sirius XM. Comedy Hits 99, 8 p.m. in the East. Then Sunday replays at 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. All the times are Eastern, people. I think we
1: ought to do a David Steinberg this week, too, because he was amazing. He was really, really funny. Do you like B.J. Novak a lot?
5: I liked him a lot.
4: Mm. He was a smart kid. Like, really smart. Yeah, Harvard smart. Like doing really well at Harvard smart. Yeah,
1: um, was Did you ever have a feeling, Hicks, that you weren't in with the cool kids?
4: I don't think so, no. Me neither. I, I, it was just like, hey, these are my friends, and this that,
1: is it. And they're cool. Yeah. I mean, That's cool why kids. you would hang out with them. <laughs> that would be the weird thing if you thought to yourself, hey, there's some people out there better than my friends. And I need to be friends with them.
4: <laughs> that's really true. I remember in high school, like, obviously growing up watching high school movies and there were the cool kid click. It's like, there, there, is, there isn't one here. These, there's just. But does that, dick. I
1: wonder if that even matters in real life or just movies, if that's an, a movie invention. Or do things only end up in movies because they're so real? I think the term popular is definitely
7: just in movies. I've never heard... Never in real life you're going to hear somebody say, I really want to be popular. It doesn't Uh, exist.
1: I see it in fucking adults with the goddamn Facebook and the Twitter, where people worry how many followers they have. You're like, why do you want more followers? You're just a regular person. You're not a comic. i got to promote my taxes. What do I do? Yeah, I could see if somebody said, "Oh, Oh, God, every time I turn around and I see more shit about that goddamn black ace heroin.
4: They're hunting down the dealers. Well, if he didn't get it
1: from those guys, he got it from somewhere else. I asked Fez, because Fez doesn't live far from where Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Uh, is it crazy down there? He goes, no. And all I do on TV is see these Constant things of cameras outside of the apartment
4: and people just congregating around it, yeah Jesus Christ I still don 't like seeing pictures of them now the cover of every paper today is still more Philipsy, more often stuff i know and it's it's almost it 's little i don 't like reading about the details of it because they 're pretty bad, and then this, now they 're building timelines of what happened and like of, of people just like having first hand encounters with them leading up to his death it 's on it's not it 's not good. I don't like it at all. And now Shelby's put it. I don't want to look at that picture of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Shelby. You're a dick. Look how happy he was there. Like,
1: a lot of my friends have been saying to me, I've been going to watching a bunch of his movies, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But then somebody else said a thing, I think it's going up on the iBank today, of just like someone had edited all these great scenes together, and I'm just watching it, and I'm like, oh my God, is this fucking guy good. Just one thing He's after so
4: good. Vito just told me he coached one of his kids at summer camp for a Get Leslie.
1: uh, Get get Vito in here. Vito, get the hell in there. Uh, Leslie is the one who wrote the really, really terrific article about him.
7: He said he coached Carmelo Anthony's kid, too. I don't know what kind of celebrity
1: soccer tournament he's running. You know what? I don't want one intern in at a time. Send the other one.
4: Norris, go in there. Go in the studio. Norris, Go!
1: Nouris, did you like the BJ Novak? I loved it, actually. Now, did you know him from TV?
10: Yes, from the office.
1: Yeah. So they actually put it on Spanish in your neighborhood? Can you get a Spanish version of that?
10: No, I actually saw it in English.
1: And when I said, and it was a very attractive audience, and when I said, that's when Nurius applauded. I was like, yes, of course. You love being a pretty girl. (laughs) No. Now, the opposite of you is Vito. Vito, you coached all these famous children's kids.
8: Yeah, you like... Philip Seymour Hoffman's son I coached for years. He was in my group. Well you must have done a pretty shitty job of it. <laughs> no, I did And Carmelo
1: um, Anthony's kid was in your group?
8: He wasn't in my group, but I like his kid was like always there. What were you coaching? Um I well, I used to do just summer camp and stuff and then like I did flag football for a while. Flag football fez it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, his kid would take Hey,
1: did Michelle stop by with the with her
5: VIPs? I didn't say I was looking, and I didn't see.
8: Boy, Michelle lies to us so
1: much, huh? But she is the one who did the great voice work for us today.
9: Thank you for calling the Ron and Fez Show. No one is currently available to screen your call. Please hold, and Ron and Fez will be right with you. Please stand by for your unscreened calls.
1: Now, what do you think is a bad idea about playing that right now, Fizz?
5: Um, that people will be calling to with unscreened phone calls, and
8: it's not. I got my screeners right here. Um. So you're just a summer camp guy? No, I well not even, now that I got the other job and this. Like I don't really work there anymore. Only like once a weekend, one time every few weeks. I'll go work some birthday parties.
1: Oh, so it's not even like upstate summer camp. It's just no, like no. in city
8: summer yeah. camp. Like, day camp Did Phil used to come around? Yeah
1: Oh, man, so you must be just broken up
8: And you're a movie lover, right? Yeah It was like, it was really There was like one time where I was working a birthday party And I saw him, like, shooting basketballs Me and some Raining, just yeah, raining No, me and everybody were just, like, yelling out Like, we really want to go over to him and be like, rain dance and all that shit That was hysterical But you didn't? No You were a cool New Yorker? Yeah, I was like, oh, there's Phil over there well, That's That's cool that. <laughs>
1: Why are you going to say I'm fucked up? Do you know how I, I can smack you so hard in the ear that you'll lose your hearing? And I can hit you now because you're not an intern anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't hit these two. They're protected. This is a safe area for them.
7: I was wondering why Chris is always asking a shadow box now. Yeah. <laughs> it's all coming together.
1: Yeah. Well, it's okay to hit each other. <laughs> Actually, I used to work at a show where we used to hit each other all the time. and <laughs> we used to throw stuff at each other for fucking up. If anyone... We used to keep these hard bar, balls on her balls on us that we called... What do we call them, Fez?
5: Arbiters! Oh, yeah, because
1: when you would throw it, if it missed, the person would go all around the whole room it really hard, and it would bounce hard, and if anyone fucked up, we just... We kept a bucket. Fez's job was to bring the bucket of these really hard balls so that we could just throw them when we were mad at each other. <laughs> but this is a very simple show. I would like
10: to do that to Shelby. You know what?
1: You tease Shelby so much, <laughs> I honestly think that you like him.
10: I don't like Shelby. He's mean to me. Why?
1: What did he, he do? He sees
10: me, and he. you know what he did today? What? He walked past me, and he acted like he didn't know me. He just like, I was like, Shelby. He's like,
1: damn it.
7: Dude, be nice. That's rude, Because I Shelby. have things to do. I, I'm sorry, we can't <laughs> chat about muchata music. What the hell you have?
1: Bachata. 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 But seriously, <laughs> what is in you that you want to... Keep yourself away from the pretty girl. That's, you're either gay or self-loathing.
7: As I've said. All you tell me to do is both. stay
1: away from the pretty girl. Don't look at him. You know <laughs> what? Do your best. I'm going to tell you right now. I give you carte blanche to do your best. Because she couldn't be safer than if you were pursuing her. Thank you. Now, the, you had your picture taken with who the other day? Kevin Durant. Now, this picture, do you still have it with you?
10: Yes, I do. It
1: is so damn funny because you look like two species, two Don't different look species. Don't I cute, though? You do look uh, <laughs> uh, adorable together, but I wouldn't know that by s- seeing you together. I only see one of you, and then I have to scroll down
10: and see the other. <laughs> but would you
1: mind if we did that as a caption contest tomorrow? Sure. Because it is the funniest picture in the world. He's
4: got to be four feet taller than you.
1: Yeah, yeah. At least four huge. feet taller.
4: Gigantic! It's almost freakish.
10: Dragon I think I should take a picture with every basketball player that comes in here.
4: Did you get your
1: picture
10: oh taken God. with Bj Novak? No. See, I'm wondering to get. In, you know, this is for summer. You know who was here? Who? Kevin Hart. Yeah, I know he was in doing. I Sam know. Today. I wanted to take a picture with him. He was cool. Yeah,
1: he's we're the, the same
10: size, so that picture would have came out. See,
1: there. you shouldn't say that to him, though. I think <laughs> that. Um... Here's uh, Sal. He's got a spy report for us. Sal's got a spy report.
2: Spy report. Hey. Spy report.
8: Go ahead, Sal. Hey, Ron. I was just wondering if uh, you saw the newly released incognito Jonathan Martin text. About a thousand texts released from them. It was on Deadspin. They've linked it to an article. Yeah. They are hilarious. All yeah. they talk about is drinking
6: and getting pussy and pretty much incriminated my County for doing drugs. That's basically the only thing they talked about.
1: It doesn't seem to me that th- that their emails and, and texts to each other should be able to go fucking public.
6: No, definitely not. I don't agree, because they, they were talking about stuff that, you know, this, uh, it kind of neat-o-ass job to Martin if he was heading over to the County's house. I mean, and uh, Martin said, no, I'm done doing drugs for the rest of this season. And that's just, you know... That's something that doesn't mean to get out there like that. But I did enjoy hearing the incognito you know, talk about getting jerked off so much he was chafing. That was pretty hilarious.
1: Well, um you know, it's. I'm sure you wouldn't want anybody to read your texts, would you? No. I wouldn't want any of my texts to be out there. I'm sure some of them come across as a
4: little bizarre. I think the lawyers were the ones who got it uh, released. But I don't know why they were releasing them. I don't know whose lawyers would do well, that. Well, that's I guess, an NFL leak.
1: I guess to show that, well, it could have been the defense lawyers, though. Yeah. I guess it could show that this guy who said he was bullied was, uh, you know, a knock-around guy until the last possible second that he said he was bullied. It's like if Shelby starts to say, he's bullied by us one day. I'll be like, oh yeah? Look at this, he put up swastikas. And I try to save him from himself. Yes, you can put up pot stickers. I've told you that time and time again. Not the other. Mm. Not the other at all. Oh, this is funny. Now Chris has to run over and do the phone screening because I have both interns. I don't like to bring them in uh, one at a time. Um, Swanson, go ahead, buddy. Hey, Ron,
2: you know, talking about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, did, I don't know if you've ever talked about it on the show or not, but did you ever see Cinectoche, uh, New York, that uh, Charlie Kaufman film with
1: him? Yeah, I'm keeping that one on safe.
6: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that's got to be the best one that I can remember.
1: That was. It's really pretty amazing. goddamn uh, amazing. Here's the blowhard. Blowhard, how are you?
6: Hey, buddy. Just wanted to ask you, um, you excited about the Olympics and... Uh, are we doing anything in the pool, ESPN type of thing for medals? We did that. Have we ever done that before? Yeah, we did. We did it but with I the summer we, games. Yeah, but yeah, but why don't we is there anything up on ESPN we can do because this is going to be an exciting Olympics. I just got a feeling.
1: I love the Olympics. I love playing games. Fez, look it up after the show today. That can be your thing. Okay. And see if there's something for us to play. I don't know whether you can do like a fake fantasy league or something.
6: I just can't wait to the hockey. I can't wait for the uh, my favorite, the biathlon, when you're on sk- skis and you just go shooting targets. What a great sport. Well, I know
1: that they're that Russia's doing the best they can. They're out killing wild dogs right they're now.
6: They're killing dogs, yeah. They're and, getting uh, the it's... dogs
1: off the street.
6: It, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I just got a feeling that this Olympiad is going to be one of the best ever. And, uh, by the way, did you catch my friend winning the, welter, the welterweight title the other night? I am
1: so uh, happy for him. And who did he call out?
6: Um, he called out Mayweather.
1: Let's do second this.
6: Round, second round uh, knockout of Ortiz at the Barclays Center, Louis Collazo. And uh, now the world is his. He's made the big comeback. And uh, And the funny thing is, he discovered Jesus... And he, it just motivated him even more and uh, gave him faith and gave him strength. And in the second round, he knocked this guy, uh, Vicious Victor Ortiz, out. And uh, it's the pride of Brooklyn. We're hoping for... Uh, you know what? He's
1: more than a pride of Brooklyn. He's proud of the planet Earth. All right, we're going to look into playing this game. Uh, maybe Fez can come up with it. Maybe we can uh, put everybody together. You laughed about someone finding Jesus? <laughs> what would make you giggle about that, a nice Dominican girl?
10: No, I was Where's not your laughing. Metal?
1: You better be a nice Mom, Catholic I girl.
10: I laughing. How can you say that?
1: You better back up the Pope. <laughs> you know, people don't the know... Theo
10: Ron. Oh, my uncle Ron. The, the, I'm so happy I have another uncle.
1: The uh, Jesus was the king of the Jews. That's a little... That's some trivia. I'm going to give you uh, trivia right here. You ran And through. here's another one. Carpenter. Specialized in end tables. <laughs> Come on in, darling. Hey, Michelle. Michelle, how are you? You know, you told me time and time again, meet with a VIP, meet with the VIP, and they never showed up. Here, over here.
9: Let's be honest. They showed up. Maybe Michelle fucked up.
1: Oh no! Oh, no. no, actually, oh, I didn't. they oh. couldn't
9: get. They, they just—they're—they were like, we gotta go. But they stopped and watched you do on Mask for a little bit. Uh huh. And then um, I was like. So do you, can you stay away? Can you see how I ran yeah. again? Yeah. Why do I do that to myself? Because I love you guys. Yeah. And, and
1: because Tim's mean. He's not. Oh, he's not. No. I thought he hit you.
9: That is a lie. You tell yourself to make yourself sleep better at night?
1: But I do sleep. I sleep like a baby.
9: Uh, because you think that I'm being abused.
1: Yes. It's the only way I can sleep. So, they were there. The,
9: they were there, and we talked about um, yeah. the upcoming event. And which, they want to do it? Yes, mid-March. Are you Great. Good, are you good for that time? Yeah, I'm Not good, good for Not the Ides. I was really pushing for the Ides. I would
1: love to do something on the Ides of March. Oh, beware. it's a Saturday.
9: Yeah, no, I, don't no think, I think
7: it's safe
1: now.
9: Listen, he think thinks I'm, I'm being beaten. He doesn't give a shit about... Anyway. I,
1: don't even, I didn't think you were being beaten. I thought you were just being pinched really hard. <laughs> I think sometimes <laughs> when you're wrong, you get grabbed very hard by Tim.
9: I mean, you cannot see the bruises, and nor will you ever.
1: Because they're in the bathing suit spot.
9: Because, that's right, he's, <laughs> he's, he's grabbing my labia.
1: You know what? What? You, what? You use that word, and it sounds better because, you know, it's a better term, but it's still the same. But don't let anyone touch you where the bathing suit is. That's what I tell my interns, both my interns. And that's why I have Vito wear a one-piece.
9: Uh. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to touch Vito's one piece.
1: You know, see, they, oh, you Vito can't. To Vito. Stop it. Oh, Stop it. Vito. You know what? Vito, Vito ding. let them respect you for your brain. That's why I'm not trying to teach ding you. Not your ding-dong. Yeah, not that. Okay. That's for what? Just for? Special mommies. And peeing.
8: Just ping. Just peeing. Okay? Oh, yeah. So I want fun. you to think of that. At your age, that's just a piss spigot. There's so much more fun stuff you could do with it. But no. what
9: is his age?
8: How old do
1: you know, Vito. 21. You know, Vito has a job dancing on a bar. Uh, it's in New York, he's a bartender, and then they pay him to put on little shorts and dance on it.
5: It's that coyote really ugly. <laughs> all right, Fez.
1: You know what? That's offensive. Can I just say something? That's offensive. Yeah, that's offensive. And he has feelings, too. All right? Not everyone hides their... Is his
9: feelings in his pee-pee?
1: Yes, the, it is. Sometimes but You know what? Not everybody can hide their feelings behind a really big mustache like Fez can. <laughs> that is the Berlin Wall, and that protects him. You and no can't one can get see them this, back. but
9: I'm doing a heart hand.
1: Yeah, um, I gotta go. I got okay, shit. bye, honey.
9: I'm very, very, very busy. Okay, Goodbye. don't let anybody bye touch you. Michelle. You're a nice person. What if I
1: want them? To no, you don't. You save touch it. Me. Don't. She worries me. She worries me.
4: This is getting weird.
1: Um, what's that? You feel weird? Hmm? Did you just say I feel weird? I didn't
4: say anything. I said this is getting weird.
8: Oh, what did you say, Vito? I didn't say anything. I was just like. I think there's a lot of fun stuff I can do with my wee wee. I don't want you called a wee wee. I want you called a piss picket because
1: that's all I <laughs> want it to be used <laughs> for. A piss picket. Yes, yeah, so I want you just turn on the piss, and when you're done, shut your piss no, picket no. off. No, not gonna use blockage. it for anything else. You know what? Let me tell you something. The story I call babies are having babies, and that's. Why I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> all right. I want I you guys, I and you especially. That. I want you to be first world. Okay. I am a baby. Yeah, I know. And you save it. Save that whole area for yourself till after you get your master's degree in radio. Um, you had a piece up on the iBang today. You're going to actually teach us everything that's happening on TV this coming up uh, February, right, uh, Shelby? Yes, the new writers on Seth Meyers'
7: new show is taking over for late night on the 24th, I believe. Now,
1: I'm friends with writers like Mr. B.J. Novak.
7: He probably knows some of these people on there.
1: Here's what uh, he wrote to me. This is the best interview I've ever done. Fuck all the other interviewers. They're shit. You rule. I wish you were my uncle. And then he writes. He just scribbles there. That's his name, I guess. That scribble. He really felt strongly about this. Yeah, why shouldn't he? So, Seth Meyers, who's a great comedy writer himself, has put together... You think a murderer's row
7: of writers. That's what it's looking like. Uh, A lot of people you might even know, like there's a lot of just like people, like for instance, Allison Agosti. Like she's kind of part of this new trend of obviously they don't just get hired off their Twitter accounts. Like you have to submit a writing packet and like stuff. But they gain a lot of attention through their Twitter account, which like hasn't been seen before like social media be your main thing like they don't like a lot of people All right what's a funny tweet that got her hired uh, my life would be completely
1: different if I could do that
7: cat eye thing with eyeliner
1: God damn it Fez, why don't you write shit like that Maybe you could get over there with Seth's show
5: It sounds so late now
1: Same time but uh
7: <laughs> yeah like I they and a lot of people He's like bringing over with him from SNL, like the head writer of Weekend Update.
1: I would be furious if I was Lauren. Oh, no, wait, Lauren owns that show too. He owns so all of it. He took the the head writer of Update with him. I thought Seth was the head writer of Update. Apparently not. Apparently he just likes
7: to tell the jokes, have other people write them. No, he has, like, people write them, but he writes Hey, you know, them
1: too. Fez does a Jay Leno impression. He was doing it from yesterday. Well, he did two. He did Jim Norton, which he panicked <laughs> and wouldn't do on the air. And then you do a Jay Leno.
5: Go ahead and do it. Jay Leno here, everybody. It's this Obamacare website. Boy, it's going down uh, faster than uh, someone who goes down a lot. Oh, boy. All of a sudden, I couldn't think of a slut's name. Jeez, oh, <laughs> jeez, I don't think that that's women Jay the Leno's studio. material at all. And this
1: is like if Jay Leno was a dead end kid. You know what I mean? There was like a there's a little lower east side mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Look at these hoards in the studio. All right, that's way better. <laughs> That's way better. Maybe we'll have a new character thing called Dirty Jay Leno. And that'll be your new character. You're just Jay Leno who comes in and is just filthy. You
7: see see this fucking cunt, Michelle Obama over
1: here. Like, he's in the news. Dirty? How how did you lose the Jay Leno to You just let these things slip through your fingers. All right, so she's funny. Who else is going to be on the show?
7: There's uh, Peter Gross. You may know him, he's one of the two guys in the Sonic. Commercials where they're just sitting in the parking lot. Uh, I do like going the Sonic commercials. I love them. And he's also been on a Veep, <laughs> as one of like the people are trying to always, you know, campaign for get different deals done. Hilarious on that show.
8: So, on Veep, yeah, I like the Veep show as well. Which Sonic guy is he? Is he the driver or the passenger? Please, he's the driver. Hey, Chris, what time are my guests getting
1: here? Five thirty is what they told me. What time's the Rizzo Pizza getting here?
4: <laughs> I have to make, put an order in.
7: Just go to any uh, school, get their square pizza.
4: <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. He's right. You're a piece
1: of shit, Chris. No, the pizza's fantastic. Hey, you know who else doesn't like you, too? is Michelle. Really? She's a little dirty, though, isn't she? I wouldn't expect oh, yeah. that from the office. Hey, my know? boss touches my lady, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm out. (laughs) She's my favorite. She's probably my favorite person in this building.
10: She's funny. Yeah. I like her.
1: Least favorite? (laughs) Stillfest. Still? Yeah. You know why, right? Everything? No. Come on. You know why. No. Why? The panic during the Jay Leno joke. Oh. The fact, A, you wouldn't redo your Norton, which is so bad that it's great. (laughs) Um... People are asking, did uh, Fez do Leno or Polo? It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is everybody's happy with it. I understand Rorschach is upset about something today from the show. And I want Rorschach to know he's always free to call. He's a valued listener. And if anything has him upset, I will put my crack staff on it. And by the way, I thought everything went really good and and easy with today's Unmasked, right? You know who gets full credit for that? Chris Stanley. Chris Stanley. Yeah. Oh, right. Go, Chris. Chris, you even got a new title, right?
4: New job title? I do have a new job title. What is it? I'm now Senior Producer.
1: Senior nice. Producer. And Shelby's got a new job title. Co-Senior co- Producer. Oh, come on. So it's both the same.
4: No, 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 no. There should be We are equal. We are equal. You know what scares me
1: about the name senior? What's that? Uh, They're going to graduate (laughs) you as quick as they can. I thought it was (laughs) senior. You know what? Uh, You offend me because this young lady is a Dominican.
10: Yeah, and he's. I don't understand you, Shelby. I don't know what it is.
1: Did you understand that the Coke commercial got everybody upset because they were singing America the Beautiful in Spanish and French and a bunch of other things? And that's made a lot of people furious in this country. Really? They, they are saying this. This is America. Learn to speak American.
10: That's ridiculous.
1: Well, you, th- you think that we should speak multi-languages? Yes,
10: of course. One language is better than one. I mean, two. I mean, one.
1: One language is better than one she said She doesn't speak English very well English You see this guy This guy gonna bring a lot of trouble (laughs) You know I get a a picture
7: with it Kevin Kevin Durant He's so tall (laughs) Are you doing Leno again? No, this, this is, is Dave dirt- Leno. <laughs> Let's hear your Dirty Leno. <laughs> <laughs> I got Ladies a picture with uh, di- Kevin Durant yesterday, a black guy, a giant clock on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> giant.
1: No, I'm trying to think of this. Didn't Dave used to do Dirty Leno? <laughs>
4: yeah, he did. Yeah. But yeah. this is done funny, right? Oh, Dave's very funny.
1: <laughs> Would you rather go do Dave's show and leave us alone? <laughs> what? Uh, Dave was doing, you were out of the room. Yeah. Dave was getting a lot of nice things during on screen phone calls. Nice. Yeah, a lot of Dave fans out That's there. Great. Yeah. We're the same guy just going back over and over. <laughs> Did Rorschach call? Is that Rorschach on the line? I want to make sure he's okay. Um, go ahead, Senor.
7: You also have Lutz from Thirty Rock. I love Lutz. Yeah, he's uh, he's not just the like a bumbling guy on Thirty Rock. He's actually like, a really talented writer, like on the show and on Saturday Night Live. And he's, he's not out. just
1: this weird guy <laughs> like he plays. No, not pissing his pants all the time. That's or- too bad. <laughs> Because I love Lutz. Is that woman who plays his chick really his chick?
7: Yeah, that's weird, too. I found that out. Is that true? Like, the, the she kind of played this Norwegian. Yeah. Dro- yeah, she is.
1: They're great together. I would love to have them on the show sometime. Let them know I'm friends with BJ Novak now.
10: Ooh, can we have Joe Coy?
1: <sighs> well, you know, Joe is a West Coast guy, so whenever he comes back to New York, he's more than invited. But he's not here on a constant level like some of these guys. Can I come back tomorrow? (laughs) Who else you got? Who's out going on this new show?
7: Another guy, uh, Connor O'Malley. He's like a touring Second City guy. Mm -hmm. He has like a hilarious Vine account where he just like accosts people in really expensive cars. All right, (laughs) let
1: me see this. I'm already liking it already.
4: Oh, hair, yeah. You're riding top-down, God's a pimp. You're an angel. I pray that I might die for you.
6: Oh, hair, yeah. Oh, hair, yeah, pimp. May we be alive forever, and may you guys be kings, and everybody's crust but you. Oh, hair, yeah, pimp. May we be alive forever, and may you guys be kings, and everybody's crust but you.
7: He just, like, costs people, and, like, like <laughs> Rolls Royces, and they don't... <laughs>
1: That's kind of hey, yeah. I have the power of God.'s <laughs> top. Hey, yeah. uh, that's kind of a ballsy thing to do in New York because you don't know who the fuck you're running into here. It could be like the mayor. <laughs> it could be some pimps though. It could be somebody to jump out and start fucking ready to throw down. All right, um I got to say this. I think Seth is putting together a strong fucking team. And
7: I think he said he wants to even, like, go more, you know, political, like, have, like, the Daily Show, like, interesting writers on, but, like, you know, make it, like, a humorous interview, like, just how Jimmy Fallon, he put his, like, games on the show and weird, like, sketches like that. I think Seth can make it his own deal, too.
1: I don't doubt it at all. I don't doubt it at all. I saw him when he, uh... Hosted the, the Kelly Ripper before, you know, in the summer last year, before she picked the big Mike Strahan. He was very funny, he was very relaxed in that spot. Big Mike Strahan, on the other hand, I haven't understood him other than when he went to Hall of Fame. By the way, your hero uh, I had to apologize to him.
5: Oh, since, uh, since Strahan got in, then he owes him the apology. Who's he? Warren Sapp. Yeah,
1: Warren Sapp. Um, he had to apologize to Big Mike Strahan saying he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Well, the Hall of Fame disagrees, Warren. Everybody's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to put Chris Stanley in there because you had such a good thing today. And you came in here and forced me to break. Yes, I did. Was it driving you crazy when you were telling Fez in his ear and he wouldn't tell me?
5: He didn't tell me anything in my <laughs> I ear. I told you
4: Mr. Novak was ready, good to go. We discussed. once he's good, I come back when, when Novak is good to go, then we go to break.
5: He was not telling. He was waving his arms around, and I gave the break sign, but he never told me anything in my ear. <laughs> I never He's trying to pad his stats
4: here. I never saw Fez give me the brake sign. Did you? I never saw him. Nope. And I told. I know I told Fez in the ear that Novak is good to go. <laughs> no, nobody is
7: answering, and he said, "Is he angry about something?" No, there's. I don't know why
1: he's not answering. You. <laughs> Who said that? And he the, said, is he angry about something?
7: No, he just said, why is
1: nobody answering me? Oh, I did. I thought I fucked something up. Well, I can't see it there. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. Were you giving me the break sign? Yeah, I was giving you a thumbs up. I like, and- if I'm looking at you right now, I see Norris and uh, Vito. <laughs> I hear that your voice is coming from somewhere. <laughs> I am tr- trying to be
4: in the light in here, but there's not much. I always thought you, you could, could turn see him me on. that we are making eye contact. <laughs> no, I can't.
1: <laughs> we used to be able to see perfectly... In the old days. All right, the light's on. It helps quite a bit.
4: All right, nice. Okay. It helps quite a bit. I, see, I thought when this light was on, it was when all the glare was happening. But the glare's no. worse otherwise? No, it's just dark, and then I
1: see the reflection of the people in this room. Weird. Uh, this list that uh, Shelby has put together is up on the um, on the iBank today. Fez, did you do your library today?
5: No, I did not. You got one to do? No, I don't. All
1: right, because yesterday you fucked up.
5: Yeah, I did, yeah. Did you go and let them know? Yes.
1: Chris, did Everything. you know that he didn't do his live read he was supposed to do yesterday?
4: Well, there was a bunch of things going on yesterday because I was never even made aware that there was supposed to be a live read until there was like fifteen minutes left in the show. And they never I've I've emailed them, I've let them know, and it's so it's getting rescheduled. But that was all very strange yesterday.
1: Okay. Well, I mean fifteen minutes we should be able to pull off a sixty second live read in fifteen minutes. That's just me.
4: It's going to be rescheduled. And going to I'm going create.
1: to take the interns to HR where they're going to complain about Michelle
4: saying labia. Menorah or Majora? They're not Jewish. Seriously. You don't even know goddamn vaginas, do you, Shelby? <laughs> you don't know goddamn <laughs> don't Jewish don't know things. goddamn vagina.
1: <laughs> Ain't no vagina like a goddamn vagina. Did the Rizzos get here yet? Oh, didn't get here yet, no. Well, you know, now I got 5.30 appointment. Something weird's going on. Three beautiful girls that I haven't seen in years want to meet with me today. Odd. This is almost
4: clandestine.
1: Sounds like I better get some Max Body Spray, just in case.
4: <laughs> they have a new version. I saw I'm sure
1: they're after my knowledge. See, you interns fucking ignore me, but adults come to me for advice.
10: I don't ignore you.
1: Well, you better come to me for advice one day. I would love advice from you. I don't want any dating advice for you, just radio advice. That's (laughs) what I'm here for. Same with you, Vita. You still with the same girl? Yeah. Jesus, what's wrong with
8: her? (laughs) I don't know. I ask her that all the time.
1: (laughs) You did a great job of getting the uh, audience in, Fezzy. They had questions. They were nice. Everything was great. I can't wait until we do uh, Henry Winkler next week now.
5: One week from today, go to the Bank.: I can't wait You're going to have to, it's I one week I want it to
1: happen right now
5: <laughs> Next Tuesday at 1pm, go to the Bank To see how you can be in the studio audience For Henry Henry Winkler Unmasked How many times
1: is his name Henry?
5: There's a couple It's Henry Henry Winkler That's weird You know
8: who wants to come to the Henry Winkler Unmasked? Who's that? Leslie A. What's uh, Leslie's interest? What do you mean? And Henry Winkler. She just a big fan of Fonzie. I didn't know that. Yeah, Happy Days. Oh. When, when is Happy Days? Is it Monday, Tuesday, Happy
1: Days? Maybe Thursday, possibly Friday. Why, why is it Wednesday such a bad day for everybody? Uh, fans, we got to wrap this one up. Uh, Zito, uh, it's not Zito, Jesus Christ, my fucking mind is tired. Uh, Shelby Lynn has done a great job putting this together it's up on the iBang we need to plug anything else uh, Fez before we get out of here
5: I believe that is it Um, I think we're all set remember if you uh, somehow missed the BJ Novak Unmasked today it replays Saturday night 8pm on Raw Dog Sirius XM Comedy Hits 99 right here at 8pm Eastern
1: so you you bring in Leslie? yeah you want to sit up front? Yeah. She'd be great. Totally. she going to dress like Pinky Tuscadero? Or Ooh. perhaps her younger sister, Leather, Leather Tuscadero? Maybe uh, Laverne and Shirley? Oh, yeah. He was with, friends with Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. And Laverne was his, right?
5: Yeah. And, yeah, they double dated. Him and Richie double dated with Laverne and Shirley.
1: Mm. Got an so did Richie and Carmine hate each other in real life? <laughs> Where's the Rizzos at, Chris? Where's the Rizzos?
4: It's, it's not here yet.
1: I gotta make this place look nice. They have a Manhattan uh, location, though. They got a Manhattan location. Yes, they, they have two. Mikey actually. D. told me that that blue, well, it wasn't as good as the Astoria. I don't wanna put words in his mouth. Ah, oh, there's Lou Reed singing to us. So, fun, fun day today. Uh, staff, other than when the kids left and I had to do the unscreened phone calls. Everybody gets a C today. Average. Oh, and that's the highest grade you guys have ever gotten. Oh, God. Yeah. You're average, gang. Yeah. This is an honor. Yeah, you're not special <laughs> needs anymore. You're average. I was
4: getting used to the short bus, though, It's nice. You know something, Chris?
1: That's yeah. offensive.
4: It's literally a short bus. I'm describing a bus that is short. It's not offensive to anybody.
1: See, I don't think when short would go in height, but when length isn't very long, what would you
5: call it? Um, a wide bus? Yeah, thanks, Fez. A wide bus.
1: Shoot it, Fez. <laughs> Shoot it. That's it for us. Uh, we'll meet up with you later on the iBang. I don't know if there are a lot of great stories today. A lot of new phone ones going up. Look at this, Democratic choice for 2016, 70% Hillary Clinton. The Republicans still want big Chris Christie. And I know I'll be fucking
4: voting for him. I'm pushing for de Blasio to run for president. I think he's got the heat that he needs right now.
1: De Blasio will not do the fucking snow in my neighborhood. (laughs) Rich people are getting their feet wet. By the way, I went past uh, Central Park today... It looked like cotton candy. It was the most beautiful. All the when you get the really sticky snow, yeah. Even though it's killing the power lines, and branches are falling, and, chil- and children are dying, it's still beautiful to look at. It's like beauty that kills you. Hold on, I'm writing that down for my new. I'm in this hair metal band, and I think <laughs> "Beauty That Kills You" is going to be our new album. Guys, I want you to say goodbye to everybody.
5: Well, goodbye, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow at noon right here on Raw Dog Series XM Comedy Hits 99. We're going to be back noon on the West? No. We'll be back uh, 9 on the West. 9 at night. 9 a.m. in the West. Okay. 12 noon Eastern.
1: So Beauty That Kills You, I'm starting a Christian metal band. I hope you guys, you know, come out and see us, you know, for Jesus. In a healthy box. Hmm? Can keep, keep laughing at you? Not laughing. <laughs> it's from our new album called King of the Juice, and it's just me holding up a big thing of OJ. Supposed to get a laugh. And then for well, a song called Don't Drink It, there's jizz in there. <laughs> See, Fito loves a jizz joke. See you guys tomorrow, everybody. Like, that's the end of my show.
2: You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez Show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on SiriusXM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.
9: This show was brought to you by Afro and Friends. You can get other high-quality Opie and Anthony-related audio from the website
3: afroandfriends.blogspot.com.